This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. ¿Qué tal amigos? Les habla el cero miedo de la lucha libre, Pentagon Junior, para mandar un saludo a todos mis amigos de este podcast, y ya saben, puro cero miedo. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 109. I'm Nick Howell. And officially back on the Matthew McConaughey hype train after he outed himself as an early 80s Texas wrestling fan on the Graham Norton Show... I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show. Burn it down! And, uh, and here we are again, Nick. Uh, we, this is our second attempt at the show. This is going to be fun today. We, we uh, Actually, we apologize for the late show. We had a, a, some technical difficulties. Some technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll call it an audio glitch. I will say that um, I'm proud of us, Sir Ian Dangerous. That oh yeah, because it's not very common that shows make it more than a hundred episodes in almost two years into their overall program before having a a, a major enough audio glitch <laughs> to where it was just completely unpublishable. But we did it. We made it 108 episodes without really. Without, 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 a hitch. without bungling it too much. And throw in, you know, 20 some odd live episodes in there yeah. as well. Yeah. So, well, I, I blame you I, for I'm being the technical. I'm pretty proud of us, you know, as far as that goes. I blame you for being the technical wizard that you are for getting us through that many. But uh, that being said, we don't have time to waste. We do have to talk about everything that happened this week. We are on the road. Burn it down! We are on the road to TLC. Uh, we have to talk about if Raw recovered from two weeks of awful, awful, awful programming. Uh, we need to talk about SmackDown Live, how they how they finished up their uh, their storylines for on the on the way to TLC, NXT, two hundred five Live, Ring of Honor uh, has a pay per view coming up, New Japan, and so so much more. We have a big big show today, Nick. So yes. uh, and and also. Uh, well, I can't really use this line anymore because I was going to say, hey, it's been 17 years, 17 years since the famous uh, grocery store fight between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Booker T. One of the most uh, is iconic moments, a, a really uh, apropos thing to say for that. I mean, if you call Kurt Angle in a cowboy hat with Steve Austin backstage playing guitar with to Mr. McMahon iconic, you have to call Booker T and Stone Cold in a grocery store fighting with a sack of potatoes iconic. I mean, it so, was it was yeah. really funny. It was really funny, yeah, and was. there is, 
don't know, there's a debate right now, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Raw, but there's a debate going on right now about quality content versus, uh, mm, what's, uh, what's the, what's a, what's an, what's the best word for it? Like, uh, uh, novelty, novelty content. So, that would definitely qualify as novelty content. It didn't really make either character look any better. It was just fun. It was fun and it was goofy and it's just it's kind of it's a comedy bit. So it, it's fun. Like we we were the biggest fans of of Southpaw wrestling and the Fashion Police and all of that sure. stuff. So you know it, it's just another one of those in my opinion. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, you know what? We do need to talk about uh, the programming in general, and in order to do that, we got to go talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, Monday Night Raw this week started out with Seth Rollins in the ring, and uh, and uh, yes, Burn it down! now I'm going to come through this computer at you, dude. <laughs> All right, <and> it's, <laughs> yes, thank you, Nick. For why did they keep doing that? Thank you for pointing it out to us. Yes, they kept on playing the the Burn It Down uh, scream. This week, in the middle of his in the middle of his music, and he's already in the ring. And he didn't even come out. He was yeah. just standing there in the ring, like looking around at everybody, like he he he. While it was just burn it down, and then stop, and then and then he the first thing he said was, "Yeah, guys, burn it down." And it was such like a it was such a like, <laughs> oh, it was grandpa terrible. trying to be like cool with the kids moment. I'm like, stop! You're you're gonna make it uncool if it's not too late already. This place is lit. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> this this place is lit. Because we're going to burn it down. Oh, stop. Stop. Uh, and it and it only got more uh, uh, weird from there because he immediately started saying how the show had been bad, how the show had not been. It not, he admitted openly that the ratings were tanking and that the show hadn't been good. He called out Baron Corbin and said it was all Baron Corbin's fault because he was a bad stand-in general manager. And that as a result of Baron Corbin's terrible decisions, that the show had been going to crap. And that's why it had been so poorly written over the last few weeks. Now, well, I want to comment here a little bit on this because uh, I want to play counterpoint to your point, which was I think that having Seth come out and call all of these things out was actually a way of giving a face to the WWE universe and all of us fans that were. Th- that he said what we were we've all been thinking for the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if it was so much of quote unquote steering into the heat, but for for the lack of, of quality shows we've had for the couple last couple of weeks. But it, in a way, I, I I was sitting there going, yeah, he's right, yeah, screw you. Well, but the the problem is is that by openly admitting that the show is bad. If, now, if it was. I don't know. There's I think there's a there was a way there's a way to kind of acknowledge that a great so a great example is. Uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was like well, two weeks ago, one week ago, on one of the really bad Raws, uh, Alexa Bliss tells Sasha and Bailey she wants them to come to the ring. They're going to have a segment in the ring where it's going to be a Q&A. And Bailey said, right. I really hope it's not going to be another uh, Bailey, this is your light kind of thing, because that was really awful. And now that was a little winking acknowledgement to the audience that, yeah, we know that was bad. We were sorry about that. But it wasn't blatantly saying, hey, our show's been crap. Our ratings are bad. Right. Which is which is, by the way, late era WCW kind of stuff like that's what they would do then. Now, obviously, the big difference is WWE has FU money right now. They don't they're not in anywhere near the kind of position that WCW was at the time 
where you'd actually be worried about WWE collapsing. They're not going to collapse and get bought out by somebody else in a couple of months the way that WCW did. But it is it's telling when the you've gotten to a point where you have to not apologize per se, but acknowledge that your quality, your product has been bad. And to me, it seems like it's it's first of all, it makes it makes it feel uncool. Then it's you're you're telling the audience, hey, we're bad. And in this case, they're they're trying to get some heat out of it. They're trying to turn everything into heat. They're trying to uh, turn the heat onto Baron Corbin, who really that's not the kind of heat you want on a character. Once again, like the Nia facebreaker thing, it's go away heat, right? That makes people not want to see Baron Corbin, and that's not going to help you with his character down the road, right? It's just going to make sure. it's just going to make his character bad for TV and ratings. People are like, oh, it's the ratings guy. Oh. People who people who buy into this kayfabe explanation. The evil ratings god doesn't like <laughs> right, us. but this is the other. The thing is, is you know when you when you have a product that you're putting out, uh, instead of saying like, yeah, I know it's bad, just fix it, just make it better. Like if if there are issues, if you're saying we recognize that there are issues, then great, fix the issues. You know, Seth Rollins said. We understand that we know the revivals are great tag team. They're really talented and they haven't been used well. What's, what, what even is a Lucha House Party match? And that was something that you and I had been saying was what yeah. the hell is up with a Lucha, Lucha House Party match? Those are terrible. So and so they, they obviously acknowledged that and realized that it was bad. But then they turned around and had Seth say, and of course, Seth was, you know, he was the speaker for the company, essentially, and then twisting it into kayfabe and putting it on Baron Corbin into storyline. But he was saying, uh, we had, you know, Baron Corbin, I can't believe you had these segments where, uh, you know, there's peeing segments. Well, you know, that's that's breaking the fourth wall, isn't it? Because it's not like Baron Corbin forced Drake Maverick to pee himself when the big show grabbed him. He didn't force Drake Maverick to pee on Bobby Roode's robe. That doesn't or did that he? Does, but that doesn't make we don't know that it doesn't make sense. It, it breaks the storyline. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I heard the analogy that it's kind of like. Uh, blaming a character in the show for a bad camera angle, you know it, it. It it kind of breaks that fourth wall. It doesn't make any sense. If you have a product that's bad, fix it. I work at a bar. All right, it's one of the reasons I have a froggy voice right now is because we were slammed last night and it's bright and early in the morning re-recording this damn show. I work at a bar and I get I get my butt kicked at that bar. And if I make a drink that somebody doesn't like, I don't go, well, you know, I'm really tired and, and the, the bar is really busy right now, uh, you know, and, that, and the recipe isn't really good anyway. I just make the drink be better. I do it again. That'll be $27. Yeah. It is downtown LA. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. no, I just, I make the drink better, right? Isn't, isn't that a better idea than, than trying to wink at the fans and go, we know, guys, we know it's terrible, right? We have to rewrite the show an hour before we go on because, you know, the old man doesn't like what we wrote all last night. You know what I mean? Like, and, there, yep, oh, totally. and there's been like a big Twitter war about this where a lot of like ex-writers have been coming to the defense of the writers of the show and saying like, yeah, it's really hard to work there. Well, that's fine. If it's hard to work there, then change the environment of how you work. Like, like fix what needs fixing. You know what I mean? Maybe the problem is is that you guys are trying to write this show too close to to when it goes on. Maybe the the problem is is that you've got a, an environment that doesn't lend itself to writing good stories. They they're able to pull it off on NXT. You know, what's what's different that allows NXT to pull off these rewarding shows? They're not trying to write it the night before? Right. Well, Maybe I, I you know. There's a there's a bunch of factors. 
And I'm, you know, <laughs> and I'm, so I, I'm not really sure, man. Uh, you know, I, I was having a conversation, I believe it was with uh, a, a unnamed cable internet provider recently. Uh, and they wanted to charge me. I, I ended up ordering a higher tier of service that required them to come out and install a line and they were going to charge $200. And then when I got, they turned the service on. It wasn't what I expected it to be or what they promised it would be. They refused to come out and fix the problem, but still wanted to charge me the $200 because it was a separate <laughs> installation charge. But sorry, guys, it doesn't work like no, that. No, it's not how it works. And, and the difference yeah. is, is that, you know, where, whereas this, this is a product that we consume in the moment. Like they, they have our, once we're watching it, they have our ratings, right? That's, there it is. But, what where the audience then you know gets its revenge is you won't have those ratings coming up and they just had their worst rated raws of all time they are down to a a 1.5 i believe uh Oof. which is wow which, which is a 1.5 share from uh over two this time last year something like one one point nine, i think so it's they're they're you know there's part of me that goes it's getting into the playoff season or the end of the NFL season Monday night football there's I definitely attribute some of it to that not just how terrible raw was and people are turning it off I'd be interested to see what the change was from if we could the first 20 to 30 minutes to maybe the second hour third hour they dropped off and, and if it's just a complete actually, plummet. They, no they dropped off precipitously actually they, they yeah. dropped way off as the as the night went on uh, uh on the ratings on the show they like they the third hour was way low and the the problem is though nick with that excuse is oh it's just the football season oh it's just the, like yes but the thing is there's always the football season there's always something that's going to be opposite them if they keep just kind of being like, well, well, it's it's okay, it's just that, it doesn't matter. The overall trend, the macro trend, is downwards, and it's gonna. And that's that's the thing is, yes, they have fu money right now, whether it's from the networks or from you know maybe from Saudi Arabia if that deal is still on or not. Um, but the thing is, those deals can go away if they start losing enough ratings. All those people that bought them because or paid them money because they have all these ratings and all these all this access, accessibility, if they go to 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 uh, to NBC, they, NBC expects SmackDown to draw three point three million on Friday, and if they don't, it's getting kicked off a of Friday and going to FS1 or one of their other channels. You know what I mean? Like it's not, they're, yep. and they're not gonna. You know, I don't know the details of their their uh, contract that they have, but I guarantee that NBC protected itself. And made sure that if the, the the ratings aren't there within a given amount of time, or if there's some sort of uh, something going on where they lose faith in the product, they'll be able to renegotiate the deal or or or, or cancel the deal. So you know, I can't imagine the NBC would go into a ten year deal without having some some fail safes. Get out of jail free. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a dangerous situation. So you can't just go out and have and have Seth say, "Hey, we know it's been bad. Ha ha." And then, you know, that's it. You have to actually show a good product. So the, the theme of our talking about Raw this week is, did they show us that they were making a better product or did Seth just come out and give lip service to the fans? Uh, more of the latter than the former, I would say, because it wasn't a particularly great show. There were some significant things you could say that happened um, that will maybe lead us into it. But, I mean, for a, for a go-home show... For you know a a a pay per view that's more extreme than its extreme rules, I expected a little bit more violence. I expected a little <laughs> bit more uh, antagonistic type of behavior. 
I, I just we did not get that this week. Well, I would argue that and we got I, some. I just, of it. I'm, not, I'm not recovered. We yet got some of it because from, from the last of, two on weeks. the upside. So the good things that happened were that uh, Seth, after this opening uh, opening speech and talking to Baron Corbin and dialogue with Baron Corbin, goaded Baron Corbin into a TLC match on Raw. He actually kept calling him coward until Baron Corbin agreed to have a TLC match with Seth Rollins uh, in order to to make the fans feel better. Uh, and So interesting point here real quick. When Baron was exiting the ring after this, Baron's words were, okay, you got your TLC match. I didn't hear Baron confirm that he was going to be the one in the match. So right at the beginning, I thought, okay, screw job right here because Baron's going to send out Drew McIntyre or something right. to, to kill Seth in a TLC match on Monday Night which I was going, yes, please. <laughs> But no, ultimately, it was Baron. It was so Baron, I just, but, I he, but you knew he had something up his sleeve, and sure enough, he did. He yeah. ended up, uh, you know, so in last week, he uh, he set up Heath Slater to have to end Rhino's career. And yep. this week, he's now, now Heath Slater is now his whipping boy, and he's made Heath become his going to go-to referee, and he's holding his job hostage. And as we all know, Heath's got kids. So yeah, he got kids. So he had Heath interfering in this match as the referee, knocking Seth off the ladder and making sure that basically being his insurance policy for this match. Seth did overcome this. It was, a, by the way, a great match. One of the better Baron Corbin matches I can remember. Uh, and yeah, I can't even I can't even say that that Seth carried him like Baron was was really good. And it was he did his thing where he slides out and runs back in two or three times, uh, at least twice that I can remember. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of big. I mean, he took two table, went through two tables. I believe there was some nice was, big spots. It was interesting to see a full TLC match on Raw. It makes me wonder what we're in for on Sunday. If if this is going to try, like if they're giving us one now because there's going to be less on Sunday. I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about that. We have to do our pickums later on for the Sunday pay per view. So we'll we'll talk about that then. But um. Basically, Seth did end up winning this match. It was a very exciting match at the end of the show. It was kind of, I thought, I was thinking about it when I was watching this. Positioning it, positioning it, positioning it, it's early. Positioning it so that Seth Rollins <laughs> seems like the savior of Monday Night Raw, which I think is a smart decision. He should be the number one face. He should have been for a long time. He should have been since yep. last summer. He should have been, he should have beat Brock Lesnar last summer and been their number one baby face for a while because everyone's been behind him. For this entire time. So it, I, I hope they just stick with this and keep this this momentum for him going. Now I'm using that damn word. <laughs> Everybody do a shot. No, I, I think yeah. Seth absolutely is has positioned himself to be whether it's him or not. He is in a position of ultimate babyface, And it's something we've we've lauded Monday Night Raw for never never being able to do well is build baby faces. Congratulations. You have maybe one of the better ones you've ever had in Seth Rollins. Yeah, right. He's 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 brave. He's plucky, but he's actually able to get things done. He's not. He doesn't look like a complete buffoon. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's fine if the, the anyway. We don't want to go into defining a face, but the bottom line is is that they're doing the right. This week they did the right thing with Seth, but that wasn't the only thing that happened on the show. Let's talk about Heath Slater again because as we mentioned, Baron Corbin had him throughout the entire show. Uh, running his errands, and he also had him in the match between Elias and Leo Rush. Now, Elias has a match on Sunday against Bobby Lashley, so this was a way to kind of warm us up for that. Another thing on Raw I thought was well-written. I, I liked 
this whole thing. And that's surprising to say because up until now, this feud's been kind of a dud. But I like the fact that, one, Leo Rush got time to show people on Monday Night Raw what he can do, and he is really exciting in the ring. Two, it made Elias look really good because he pretty much murdered Leo every time he got his hands on him. And three, it made Bobby Lashley look like a good heel because he kept coming in and scaring the crap out of Heath Slater and making him do his evil bidding. So it was it was a nice way to advance multiple storylines at once. Heath Slater's uh, showing off Leo Rush and then continuing this feud with Elias and Lashley. You know, and it didn't, it didn't make Elias look like a goon because ultimately he lost because everything was against him. You know, he had a, had a referee who was against him. Lashley was there to kind of screw things up. Well, my favorite part of uh, this whole match was uh, Lashley interferes, comes in, beats down on Elias a little bit. Heath Slater, as the ref, goes to call for the DQ bell. Bobby Lashley stands up right in his face and pulls his arm down in a very slow, <laughs> methodical way. And I was like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Let's keep doing more of that. And you that's when you begin to see the turn of Heath Slater kind of going into the the... I'm going to be Baron Corbin's whipping boy uh, for the he rest has a, of the night. He has a great hangdog face, yeah. Heath Slater does. You know what I mean? Like He he does have a really good... I, and I, it's obviously wonderful that he's getting some more time because he is another one of those underutilized wrestlers you like to see on TV. You know what I mean? Because they can do a lot with him. Yeah, He's got a natural natural uh, appeal to him, an underdog appeal to him. So. Uh, so yeah, a lot of good things with this segment. And I'm also liking what they're doing with Lashley. It reminds me a lot of late TNA era Bobby Lashley. Yeah, uh, cocky, cocky heel. It plays to all his strengths. You know just, what I mean? Just like stop this isn't slapping your butt cheeks, and and we're fine. Well, you know, it's it's yeah, that's, that's one small step too far. That's 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 Vince's addition to the to the the gumbo right there. <laughs> is the hey, this is it's all good, kid? But what if you slapped your butt cheeks? Ha ha ha. so. But it, but aside from that, I thought this was a well written segment. Um, the uh, so the other thing, the first thing, they, first thing that they did on the show after the Seth Corbin open, the thing, this is the thing that they basically laid the table with and said, this is the way that we're going to make Raw better. Was a tag team match, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable in a disadvantage against AOP and uh, Drake Maverick. You could say it was a so two was and a, a half on handicap. two handicap match, right? Hey, that's a that's a little person joke there, Nick. That's a little person joke. All right, uh, but yes. So it was supposed to be Baron Corbin screwing over Rude and, La- and uh, Gable one more time, but Rude and Gable won clean. They ended up pinning Drake Maverick and and winning the Raw Tag Team Championships. Now, on the one hand, yay, the the faces won and didn't look like goobers, and also nay, no no pee anywhere. There was no pee anywhere. Uh, <laughs> Had he no whipped pee. it out and just peed on him and they quit or something, I, you know, I, I would, I might, I might've thrown my TV out the window. Uh, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna pee. I want to, uh, I want to harp on something here that I've kind of been just parroting endlessly all throughout the year and on this show. And that's, I don't like these sort of random, or even if it's not random, just pairings of single superstars into tag teams that ultimately end up becoming tag champions. And it, because it undermines, in my opinion, it undermines le- what I'll call legitimate tag teams like AOP, like the Revival. You know? yep. uh, so I, I'm fine with having exhibitions uh, that are set up with singles competitors uh, maybe across the ring from each other. But I, I, I just I don't understand why you're going to put the belts 
on Bobby Roode and Chad Gable when they're taking them off of AOP? Well, the, the, here's the thing, though, Nick. The list is long. It's, this is a tried and true trope of putting two singles guys who aren't really doing anything together and making a team out. The list is long. Every major single star that you can think of has been in a tag team at some point sure. with another single star. Right? This is this is this happens all the time. Yeah, but when you but basically I, have a non-existent tag division on Monday Night Raw, and right. here you have AOP coming up and you put the belts on, and it's like, okay, maybe there's hope, and then there's revival waiting in the wings, and who knows where Gallows and Anderson are right now, but they're also legit. Smackdown I mean, Live. <laughs> maybe. I haven't seen them there in six months. So anyway, well, but, but yeah, Gallows and Anderson, who are also supposedly single stars. I mean, <sighs> you know, that's a thing, man. Not for uh, a long Car- time. Machine Gun Carl Anderson back in New Japan. He, he, he Ten years come ago. On, man. No, not even that. Less than that. That's that's my point. Look, the bottom line is, I agree with you on on part of that. I think it should. I think it's fine to be able to put singles wrestlers together into a tag team. Look at the bar. But you have to, if you're going to do that again, like that, commit to them being a tag team. Uh, don't just do it as kind of a, a as a as a you know just a way to make things interesting or, or revitalize. Maybe if you're revitalizing them the way that you're doing with Gable and Rude, where it's kind of it's a way to get them on TV. Yeah, but. If you do it to the point where it it pushes down real tag teams, I think it's it's less of a good idea. If they use the this to flip Rude to make him a dick heel in a suit, I'll I'll be satisfied. Well, Lord, Lord knows people don't and people in tag teams, they don't just go their separate ways. They're not just like, "Well, buddy, it was nice to work with you. We had a great time, didn't we? Good times. Hey, have have fun with your career. Hey, buddy, I love you too. I'll see you down the road." No, they they screw each other over. Yeah. And not, I don't think Gable's going heel. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, you might get you might get your way and get your heel Bobby Roode out of this. Yay. But but the problem is, is in the meantime, now AOP look like goons because of this. They they have had so much legitimacy ruined by these pe- these peeing angles. They've now lost the tag belts. Obviously, it's good that they didn't actually get pinned to lose them. It was Drake Maverick. But I hope this is a reason to take Drake away from them. Keep him on 205 Live. He's better there. They don't need him. They're better without him. You know what I mean? Like, the, just re- hit the reset button on AOP because they're completely viable. Uh, keep them just as, like, monster. Like, if you you don't need the Bludgeon Brothers. You have AOP. You know what I mean? Or you can uh, have one on each show. They They don't... Exactly. Harper and Rowan or the Bludgeon Brothers never really said much. They just came out and they looked intimidating to an extent if you're 12. But it's that's all you need AOP to be. When AOP came out of uh, the last pay-per-view in masks, yes, they yep. look scary as hell. They're like walking they're, they're, Jason Voorhees. Jason, they're the Ninja Turtle masks. Well, yeah. Sure, but I, wah, yes, that's what I yeah. want to see. I want to see big badass dudes coming down and just beating the hell out of people. Do you think that they, the fact that they they name checked Revival at the top of the show, do you think that that's a sign that they're going to have Revival be like in the tag division meaningfully now? Like, are we going to have heel Revival versus? Face Gable and Rude, or was that just again lip service? I don't know, but I can hope. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it, I always wanted to see a revival versus AOP. Yeah, well, again, so the, I, I, me too. I would love to see that in the main roster as well. But the thing is, is I'm worried this is a Band-Aid. I'm worried this is a short-term booking decision to make people feel good in the short term. And ultimately, they're not looking down the road and saying, how do we make the show better overall, right? Uh, are Gable and Rude going to be a tag team that's going to make the show better overall? 
Is Are they going to be able to hit the reset button on AOP and make the show better overall? Or is this just a way to make the fans go, yay, the face is won in the short term? And if it is a situation where they do flip rude, what path did they send them down? What are they going to argue over? Well, are they just going <laughs> to fight uh, and sort it out over the course of three to six weeks? And then then what? Are they going to send rude after mean the championship? Me, or? You're a mean <laughs> man, Mr. Rude. I can't believe you did this. Anyway, yeah, so we'll, we, will, we will see. We will see. We also had a match between Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre, uh, he uh, supposedly uh, injured Finn Balor so that Finn Balor was not on the show, although we know in real life Finn Balor got a uh, sickness, some sort of some sort of cold or, or virus or something down in South America. A few people in WWE did. They're on the shelf because of that. Uh, Finn was out this week, but Drew did have some unfinished business with Dolph Ziggler. In this segment, he uh, he basically just murdered Ziggler, and then after the match, he murdered him again. He gave him yeah. a Claymore kick against the LED screens outside the ring. Ow. Ow. But, th- so the thing we got to talk about here is, one, uh, we, they're obviously they're positioning Drew as being the the big heel on Monday Night Raw, and then they're, frankly, between his performance and how they're portraying him, they're doing a good job. He looks fantastic. He's scary. But Dolph Ziggler. What happens to him now? Is this a be- the beginning of a face turn for him? It, uh, he's going to be on the shelf because of this injury. Like, where does where's where's Dolph now? What's you're going to you're going to be. I'm going to scare you with what I think. Oh um, God! Because you know, and oh, spoiler oh, alert. Oh God! Hold on. Uh, let me brace, let me you brace already myself. know where I'm going to go with this because I told you about it last night when we when we already recorded this show. But <laughs> look at the last two years of Dolph Ziggler. Two years ago, it was Shinsuke Nakamura. Then this this year, it's been or last year it was Shinsuke. This year, it's been Drew. He has been the the usher of of NXT call ups for the last two years. Who's next? I'm thinking Alistair Black. Are we going to see Dolph Ziggler with an Alistair Black pairing as the next thing? I had totally and how forgot. terrible is that going to be? I totally forgot you said that. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> I'm, God, you heard it here first. Folks. I, I, I actually, I had blocked that from my memory because the idea of an Alistair Black, Dolph Ziggler tag team was so horrific to me. Oh God, no. I had PTSD. Ah, ah, the shakes. No, don't. <laughs> e- no. All right, you know what? I'll, as record punish- scratch and then kick his as- Alistair's music. <laughs> oh, oh God, it's gonna be so bad. I'm gonna be sick. All right, as punishment for that, Nick, we have to go and talk about Nia Jax. It's oh, Nia no, Jax I'm time. Be sick. That's what you get for doing uh, that to the poor listeners. Nia Jax time. We had Alexa Bliss come out to the ring. Uh, apparently, in real life, she wasn't feeling well. Her voice wasn't 100%, so she barely said anything. She just basically was had the mic snatched away from her by Nia Jax, who was in there with Tamina. And Nia gave a promo. Uh, not a very good promo. It actually, I think I, you I can go it, back and look at my Twitter timeline <laughs> at Data Center Dude is my personal one, not the shows. And you can see, I believe it was on either Monday or Tuesday night. Uh, my, I sent a tweet to Apple and I said, Hey, Apple, if you wouldn't mind and it doesn't bother Johnny Ive too much, would you please include a mute button on the Apple TV remote? No, because I'm going to need that every Monday night. No. When you I'm watching Nia Jax's segment. It is your job as someone who's on the show who has to give their opinion about what they watch. You have to watch it. You, have, you are forced. You are here's what forced I'll, here's to what watch I'll say it. about this. This wasn't terrible. It was nowhere near good. It wasn't terrible. But this whole screaming thing that she's doing, 
<laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't know uh, how to react to it at this point because it's just all it does is it blows out the mic and blows out my speakers and makes they, me just not even, you know, I. They, I'm they actually worked. They I do, get worked. Over they it. got that they had the mic. It, it, they didn't blow it out this time. They they had her set somehow so that she didn't blow it out. But it was it was still startling. <laughs> it's very startling. We're in the middle of talking. She just kind of goes off, and it's kind of just it's scary. But that's the thing is they're trying. Please never things. do that again. They're trying things with her, and she did have. A, so here's the thing: from a technical standpoint, this was a, this could have been a decent promo, and there were some good lines in it. Uh, where she, you know, she called herself. A, I'm a six foot tall, three hundred pound Samoan woman who is Rousey's worst nightmare. I was like, all right, yeah, all okay, right, all right, girl, yeah, you go. But then she, you know, starts focusing on her fist and saying, "This fist, this hand is the one that's going to break run Rousey's face." And if she puts me in an armbar, this hand is going to open up. And it went on and on and on and on and on. So there were aspects of this that I was like, all right, I. They tried. They tried. But then just between delivery and they kind of let it go on a little bit too long. Yeah. And and right now, that's the last thing you need with Naya is to make her annoying. You got you can you can make her scary, you know, but don't make her annoying. And she's right now, unfortunately, she's got a a, a whole leg across the line into cringe land. And go away heat. And go away heat, yes. She she's Obviously. got both legs into go away and, heat at this point. Especially for you. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you, so you yeah, can so hear Naya, it from the fans as well. Naya calling out Ronda Rousey. Rousey does come out. She gets surrounded by Naya and Tamina, but then gets rescued by Ember Moon. What? What? For no reason? All right. Okay, Ember. And then we end up having a Tamina versus Ember match. Uh, Whoa. Na- okay. <laughs> which uh, Naya tried to get involved in. Rousey tossed her over the barricade. Had some physicality with her. And then ultimately, Ember ends up beating Tamina and standing tall with Ronda Rousey. All right, fine. I don't know if that really helped build the match for Nia and Ronda on Sunday. But then again, I really don't know if there's any saving that build. Yeah. I think we've we've already said before this is basically a, a this is a feud Dead on for, arrival. It's DOA. It's wait, something. Move on. It's something for Ronda to do while we wait for the Royal Rumble and for kind of the WrestleMania build to happen. Is really what it is. And. Yep. Fine, it is what it is, but it's. I don't think anyone is sitting here going, "This is wonderful. This is great stuff." I, I, the only thing I have to say as an upside is Tamina didn't completely suck. Uh, she totally held up her end of the bargain here. She works a you know a big person style, uh, bruiser style, and Ember off the top ropes, and <laughs> she can take the eclipse well, which she, is not she, all women can. She did and, indeed. Uh, uh, you know, it's execution. And Ember looked good. She looked strong. She's kind of in that Oscar position where Oscar's been for like the last six, eight months where they don't, they, they book her so she looks strong. So whenever they're ready to pull the trigger on her, it will be believable that she'll be successful, that she'll be, yeah, she's uh, she'll one be of the winner. one for about the past six months. We've been saying once we get past all this Naya Ronda stuff from the summer, her and the person we're going to talk about next, Ruby Riot. Uh, Ember Moon and Ruby Riot are kind of set to be the next ones. They're yeah. right there on the precipice of they could be next. But like so many characters on in WWE, she's very one dimensional. Still, it's just kind of well, yeah. she's she's the war goddess. She's Ember Moon, and it's like well, we have no idea what that is or who she is. Right. So, uh, but yeah, let's talk about Ruby Riot. Uh, she and Natalia are had a little bit more of their feud this week. They have a tables match this Sunday, and in order to hype that. 
we had Ruby Riot come out with a table with a picture of Jim Needhart on it after after Natty gave Classy, him. but I liked it. Well, but again, this is the sort of thing where either you accept the fact that they're going to use this uh, this very cheap way of getting heat, the fact that Natalia's dad just died recently and they're going to they're going to use that heat for the storyline purpose. You're either going to accept that or not. And Natalia has come out on social media and in interviews saying, "Look, dad would have loved it." He would love being sure. part of it. He's he knows how the business works, and this is how the business works. And you know what? It's one of those things where, if look, if Natalia, obviously, it'd be easy to say, "Oh, she's just towing the company line." But at the end of the day, no. at the end of the day, she's probably like, if you think about it, she's probably right. Jim Needhart would have probably been like, hey, "I'm back on TV." <laughs> yeah, you could absolutely have a very subjective philosophical debate about whether or not this is how you treat those that have passed recently. Sure. But I agree with you. He would want this. Also, cements kind of his legacy. Uh, in the business and his continued use or coming up, whether it's his glasses being broken or being used against Natty as yeah. a foil to uh, on a table or something like to distract her, all that. I, I absolutely, he's looking down at that, going, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> yeah, he old, could uh, hold the old laugh. That's the thing is, you know, in a way, it, as he was such a big fixture in wrestling, he would understand that this is this is how it works. Yeah. This is how you. This is just a tried and true way to build a, he, a heel character. Uh, I'm glad that Ruby's getting the time. I'm glad she's getting a match on Sunday. You know what I mean? So on, on that, from that standpoint, fine, fine. Yep. Dave, David Flair, that's bad. Uh, you know, someone who passed away <laughs> angle. That's, that's the cringy kind. This is, this is just is, this is just typical. It's wrestling. Yep. Uh, we also had the weekly mixed match challenge promo match. Bailey is now in the semifinals, but as we mentioned, Finn Balor's out. So we had to find out this week who her uh, substitute was going to be. That's sort of the theme of Mixed Match Challenge this time around is people subbing in for other people. So she had a match against I've, Alicia Fox. I've completely Fox. lost track of who is pairing with who and who's beaten who and who's still in it. And it's completely lost all relevance, and I just don't care. Well, anymore. luckily, we're going to go over that before we go over our pickums because we kind of have to because the finals are at uh, TLC. But we, Pre-show. We, did, <coughs> we did find out that uh, Bailey's new partner will be Apollo Crews because he came out and helped her fend off Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers, and she ended up uh, picking up the victory over Alicia Fox. So okay, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> who's not doing who's not doing something right now? Apollo, right. get in there. And then finally, I'm afraid we have to talk. We can't get out of Raw without talking about it. I would love to, but as you know, Seth Rollins is not in a feud with Baron Corbin. He's not in a feud with Drew McIntyre. No, no. Lest we forget, he's in a feud with Dean Ambrose, and Dean had. Mm, I'm not going to call it a promo. He he, he had a segment. He had a backstage segment this week where he talked a little bit and then they showed a video package, which is, I think, a horrible trope they're doing right now. Is instead of letting people give promos, they just give them video packages in the middle of their segments. Yeah, we would like to know your thoughts on this and <sighs> play a video package. And he didn't really say anything. Well, yeah. He just smirked and, uh, you know, just uh, smoldered a little bit and then walks off in his okay. In his- God awful, stupid jacket. You know, let's let's spend two minutes. We've harped on this pretty hard the last couple of weeks, but I I've thought about this pretty pretty deep, and I think they could be. I don't understand the, the air raids. First of all, sirens. I'm done. I liked <laughs> them a, initially the first time I heard them, and then now week. it's been a week. Now, how are you already I'm done over with them? them? How are you? How can I'm, you? I'm over it <laughs> because I looked at the bigger picture of Dean Ambrose and how they're using him and this whole feud with <laughs> Seth. 
and I, I, I hearken back to the, not even live on TV, but it was a video, pre-recorded video, of Dean Ambrose in some, under a bridge with a, a Chevy Malibu and a barrel, a parking trash lot, barrel In a fire. parking lot, yeah. Sure. And it was a whole, he gave this whole 20-minute speech, felt like it 20 minutes, but it, and then lights the barrel on fire and throws the vest in it. And I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, this could have been a lot more effective if Dean just doesn't talk. Yep. We know Dean's really good on the mic. We know that he can he can cut a pretty sick promo. But whatever they're doing now, I mean, I would have much rather seen whatever happened with with Seth at the end of this match, hold off on it for a week, the the promo for a week, have him drag a barrel, a 55-gallon drum light it on fire, take his shield vest off, and throw it in there. You know, we were just, and yeah, just we, were, we were just talking about how Ember Moon is one-dimensional and that they don't really give her any layers. This is a case where less is more, and giving Dean too much is actually ruining him and this feud. You know, if you just have him, he could have a couple of words here and there, but but having him be the silent killer type, the way that he was when he first came back, and he was scary, or right when he turned, and he was just kind of at the, you know, he's at the top of the, ramp, of the uh, stairs in the audience, just staring at Seth, it was creepy. You know, it gave him this this creepy mystique. And then you had him talk. And next thing you know, he was getting shots in his butt and talking about you know now germs. he's baying in a gas now mask. He's a gas with, mask. With, and he can't shut up. And it's it's completely demystified his character. And in a lot of ways, it's taking all of the wind out of this feud because it's it's almost nonsensical now why he's mad at Seth. There's just there's so much there's so many things going on with Dean right now and none of them are clicking, you know what I mean? So yes, had imagine if he had brought out that barrel to the top of the ramp, lit it on fire, and just wordlessly held up the vest and then just tossed it in and stared at Seth and walked away. How much more mystique? How much more meaning it would have had as opposed to blah 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 burn it down, Seth, and throwing it in the in the barrel. You know what I mean? It's it's a matter of presentation. And, and again, you know, on an episode, and this is to wrap up the whole thing with Raw, on an episode where at the top of the show they said, hey, we know it sucked recently. We're going to, you know, basically, we know. We know the show sucked. Cool. And as an honest member, I'm like, oh, good. You did? Good. Fix it. This is an example of how, nope, they didn't change a damn thing. Nope. Well, hey, guys, that's Monday Night Raw, but that's not all that's going to happen on Sunday. So we've got to head over and talk about the blue brand, SmackDown Live. Well, we're going to start off with the end because the end of this show had a WrestleMania rematch between Charlotte and Asuka. And oh, my soul, it was awesome. Woo! It was Awesome. So, I mean, if, say what, yeah. this requires a little bit of setup because I didn't see this coming, and this this is one of those things where it's it's actually going to affect my projection of the SmackDown Live Women's Division for the next six months. And I, I'm serious. A lot of, and you'll find <laughs> out why when we get to our pickums. Uh, oh boy, I'll, I won't disclose any of that before we get to that. But I think there's going to be some changes. Changes. Yes, this was absolutely a pay-per-view quality match. Uh, it was another one where Charlotte was starting to realize as we worked through the match. First of all, it was fantastic. Counter after counter after counter. Oh, my God. Just a man, these can- technical masterpiece Jesus. of a match. And it was very different than the WrestleMania match because it felt less like a showcase and more like, I mean, they were 
wrestling. They were in there working through holds, trying to feel each other out, striking really, really stiff strikes. And as you said, man, some of these reversals, there was a Charlotte did a moonsault into Oscar throwing up her knees. Charlotte, Charlotte reversed the reversal of the knees into a leg lock, trying to go for uh look like a sharpshooter and then uh, or, or turning around into a figure four. Oscar reversed that into a, a heel hook and then into the Oscar lock. It was it was bananas. It was be- it was gorgeous. But then Charlotte but as- figured out that she wasn't going to beat her, and ha- the same thing that happened with Ronda Rousey to an extent, yep. and broke out a kendo stick. And of course, this whole oh. time, uh, Becky Lynch was sitting with sitting her belt ring. at ringside. Uh, pa- she pouting, wasn't officially on commentary, but she was just there watching, pouting, pouting Irishly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't really know what that means, but okay. I don't want to laugh at it if that's a thing, but. I'll just sit here and watch this match if you make me. Tapa, tapa, tapa. <laughs> so when Charlotte breaks the kendo stick out and starts beating down on Asuka, Becky dis- or somehow Becky gets thrown into it or somebody gets thrown into her and she gets involved. Becky gets a hold of the kendo stick and starts laying both of them out. And then Asuka. Somebody made the decision backstage <laughs> to let Asuka some, get her hands genius. on a freaking kendo stick. Some beautiful, beautiful oh. person. Said, "Hey, let's let's let Oscar get a swing with the kendo stick." I think I and, literally and- sent you a text. In fact, <laughs> I did that said, "Oh shit, who gave Oscar a freaking kendo stick?" Yeah, she is accurate with the stick. I'll tell you what. You know, Charlotte and Becky looked like they were swinging wildly. Oscar looked like a technician. She was. <laughs> She was like changing swing mid swing when Charlotte would move. She'd be like, "Oh no, you're not escaping this!" And like, it was it was beautiful. Yeah, Oscar ends the show beating down both Becky and Charlotte and standing tall as a muffa on top of the the, the 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 standing over Becky on the announce table, looking like a beast, like a beast. Oscar was on fire. The audience was rabid for it. This was extremely exciting. I cannot imagine a more exciting way to go home. To a pay-per-view on one of your hottest angles than to have it go down like this. Yeah, to be clear. It it was fan to a great great match where you know they're going to throw another element into the match on Sunday, plus tables, plus ladders, plus chairs. Uh, Outstanding. Yeah. Can't cannot wait. Great job selling this. And also a great way to show Asuka looking very strong. A lot of people have been down on her booking recently. I'm one of but them. Not, not only did she have a great promo in the middle of the show where she she was she she gave was very coherent, very straightforward, strong promo, uh, and then finished it with some of the that great Japanese yelling that we love her when she does, right? Like we always said, like it's it is it's effective. We may not know what she's saying. Like it's I don't know why they don't do it more often with Nakamura too. Like just let them speak in their native native language, subtitle them if you have to, whatever. But it is so effective to have her just rip out something in Japanese and really hear that inflection that she can put into it. She starts screaming it, it and rolling those R's and I, I just I just coil up into the fetal position and go, I'm sorry, Asuka. I didn't yeah. mean to. It's it's it effective. Works. It translates. It it's effective. It it cuts through. So no, they did a great job of making Asuka look like an absolute beast here, which you need to do. Um so yeah, I I I've I've got to say, dude, this might be the best women's feud since the quote unquote revolution. I, I mean, because it's on the level now. Are you talking about I, Paige I, and AJ Lee time frame, or are you talking about like Nikki Bella long term title reign revolution? 
no, sorry. I'm talking about since they brought up all the women from NXT and started. Stephanie came out, started calling it the women's revolution. Okay. Right. right. So since they started, since dur- they, and, kind of during the Nikki Bella one, and just right be- after that, just before they changed the belt from the Divas belt to the women's belt, just right. before that, right? So since then, this is the. It's such a good feud because I have to remind myself, wow, this is a women's feud. This would not have happened five years ago. Nope. We would not have had this anywhere near like this. We would have not. We wouldn't have had people with women getting this physical and putting on this kind of quality of match. Five years ago and giving getting getting this much time and main eventing Smackdown and possibly main eventing a pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like I have to remind myself if anyone can think of a better uh, a better example of a woman's feud since the revolution. Go to our Facebook discussion group and let us know. Yeah. I want to save everything else that I have to say till we get to the pickums up next. But okay, uh, I have a lot more that I want to say about that. But it's kind of you know I don't want to spoil anything. Well, then let's move on and talk yes. about the other big thing to talk about on SmackDown, and that was Daniel Bryan who came out and cut yet another promo in the ring to start the show off, and it was a f- another fantastic heel promo. So uh, last week, Nick, you said that you were distracted by his cardigan. His his apparel choice. He looked like my grandma, and I couldn't really pay attention to what he was saying or or get past the fact that he was dressed like a homeless person. That was but, the point. I, maybe, but this week he came out in his gear because he was it was it was right before a match that we had right. been advertised was going to be Mustafa Ali, and our heads all exploded uh, before we got here. But yes, this promo. I was actually able to not be distracted by his apparel choices and and listen to the promo and and I'm fine with it. I think you're I fine, get what he's doing. It. it it is what it is. You yeah, know? it's well, it's the it's the instead of the straight edge messiah, it's the vegan messiah, right? right. It's it's kind of like the, the CM, CM Punk thing where he's working the crowd and it's it's a it's a it's a great what he's doing is fantastic. It's it really is, and I I I am not distracted by the cardigan. It's absolutely part and parcel of everything that he's doing. Uh, I love that. I love that he is going right after the fans, but not just in a cheap way. He's finding new and interesting angles to take. Like for instance, he apologized. He said uh, last week I called you all sheep, and I have to apologize to the sheep because what you guys really are is parasites. Because you take and you take and you take and you give nothing in return. Boo! 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 And I also like the fact that when Mustafa Ali did come out, Daniel Bryan. That, you know what he, what he did was very intriguing and new. He said, "Hey, everybody, this is Mustafa Ali, and he's really, really good." And he turned to Mustafa Ali and said, "Look, dude, you don't have to give them anything. You don't owe them anything. Uh, you know, why, why, they don't deserve this. You're you're too good for them." Daniel, and what a, what what, what a happened way to, to you? What a way to sell. Mustafa Ali to the crowd, and they let him, Mustafa get on the mic, and Mustafa's really good on the mic. He he is good at projecting that plucky baby faceness on the mic. So I thought that was all really well done. Yeah. And t- right before we got the match was a really good moment too, where he said, "Well, well, Mustafa, what kind of card you like?" When Mustafa Ali said, "No, no, I'm here to fight, man. I'm here to fight. You're not gonna your heel tactics are not gonna work on me, sir." Well, okay, Mustafa, what kind of card you drive? What do you mean? What kind of car? I drive an SUV. An SUV? Well, yeah, I've I've got a wife and kids. And smack! You're a little little man. Why why are you driving an SUV? What do you need an SUV for? It was great stuff. <laughs> what and would have happened if he had said a Prius? Well, <laughs> after the match, it goes. It's a Tesla, you son of a bitch. 
Uh, no, this. <laughs> so then we had a match. Now, here's the other thing that you said about Daniel Bryan was uh, was that you wanted him to be a, a psychopathic killer when he was in the ring, right? You, you want you didn't want him to be a typical kind of chicken shit heel. You wanted hmm. to see old, old Brian Danielson back, yeah, right? And I, Did I think you get he got that? a little taste of that this week? Okay, if not so a you full, were... if not a full flavor of it, but I I think he might be saving a little bit for TLC, but we'll see. Um, I, this is the kind of Daniel Bryan I want to see. I, I again put don't put me down for the whole conservative. Uh, uh, well, not really conservative. That's the wrong word. Uh, conservationist uh, is probably a better word. That's a very <laughs> different thing. <laughs> I, I understand. Just the wrong word came out. But I just it's, I can't. It's, it's early. Look, it's I, I know what he's doing. It just doesn't resonate with me. I'm sorry, and I don't think it resonates with a really? lot. Really? No. Well, it's not supposed. It's supposed to. It's supposed to get under your skin. It's supposed to not resonate with you. That's what. That's a heel. That's it's what he's making does. me just shrug my shoulders and go. Ugh. You know, oh, come rather on than now. getting the kind of heat that they're wanting to get. Oh, come on now. No, anyway, it's this match right. was well, awesome. Uh, I'm these sorry two guys paired you. together. Uh, by the way, I love Mustafa Ali's what happened to you. You were the guy that we you're the plucky little underdog that we all looked up to. Yeah. Uh, going up against the, the big guys and, yep. and fighting up, and, which I think was foreshadowing oh, but that think? I'll get back to later. Uh-oh. Um, so I think that. This match was great. It was a big surprise to see Mustafa Ali have a match with the WWE champion out of nowhere. Uh, I, yeah, not that it was for the championship or anything, but you know, just well, no, but it was it was nowhere. it was a very you know it's a very he's a worthy guy to get this. Mustafa Ali has been silently kicking ass over on Two Hundred Five Live for a while now, and deserved to get this kind of showcase. So I'm glad yeah. he got to be seen out there, and and frankly was written with respect. I think even though he did end up losing this match. Yeah. Uh, Daniel tapped him out, but anyway, but yeah, I like what of they're doing with did. Daniel. Mustafa Ali's not going to come in and beat Daniel Bryan. Well, but yeah, he could have. You know, Daniel could have. Whatever, it doesn't matter. He 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 didn't win this. I'm loving what they're doing with what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. He's got a match with AJ Styles on Sunday. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he evolves his heel character. Yeah. And uh, and Nick, you vacillating back and forth as to whether or not you like his character just makes me think that you're just fickle. Fickle. I, I am. Absolutely. Uh, we fickle. also had a rap battle. So here's the weird thing about uh, SmackDown this week. I thought that the two main feuds, the, the Daniel Bryan stuff and the Charlotte Oscar Becky stuff, was, was great. Well written, very interesting. Man, the undercard was not good. No. It was, that no, was, it. It was That was pretty much really, it. Really, <laughs> really lackluster and kind of flat. The rap battle ended up just being the Usos coming out and rapping at Sheamus and Cesaro for a few minutes, and then Sheamus and Cesaro attacking everyone and beating them down. New Day was quote-unquote refereeing or they were, they were the master of ceremonies for this quote-unquote rap battle were we expecting too much because the last one was so good well hang on Spe- speaking of apparel choices we we have to talk about Sheamus and Cesaro and their apparel choices which were fantastic oh the Them b-boy coming stuff out in the run dmc track suits adidas yep. track suits uh the, you know Sheamus's hair poking up through the the hat he had the his giant gold chains up. He had Just a mohawk perfect. sticking up through his Kango hat. I definitely marked out for that. <laughs> I, like you can, people can say it looks stupid. I say it looks awesome. The new and day coming out awesome, in tuxedos I mean was fantastic. The the Usos just in there like street clothes, fantastic. But yeah, I I gotta say. I don't know if the bar was just <laughs> pun intended was just set so high with the pre, with the first rap battle 
that we were expecting this one to be that good or this one was just that bad and we just got nothing out of it really well here's the thing it was this was not as bad as i was worried the first one would be but i think the big issue i had here was that Seamus and Cesaro didn't do anything they just stood there like they were the ones who called everyone else out and then they just stood there and let the usos talk for five minutes or rap and then they just attacked everybody cleaned house and stood tall but I don't understand what the thought was there because it doesn't make them look like brilliant conniving heels. It's just it was just a weird it was just weird. You know I didn't what I mean? hate it. I just think the first one was so good. Yeah, it's, you're not going to live up to it. I it think it's dumb me, that they rehashed it. It made me excited for this one. I wanted actually to see Sheamus and Cesaro try to rap of some somehow. You know what I mean? Like that would have been that would have been fun. Like if you're look if you're going to do a variety segment, if you're going to do a comedy segment, go all in. Like. Do it. Don't just don't do it halfway because then it ends up falling flat, kind of like this one did. Yeah, I, f- I figured Seamus would at least jump in with an Irish limerick or something like that. You know, go Shaney, go Shaney, go, go Shaney, go. Sh- <laughs> no, no. Uh, all right. Well, I tried. Also, someone who tried was Miz, who tried to get Shane McMahon uh, to be a tag team with him again, and this time he uh, he tricked Shane into coming to the ring, and uh, and then had two tag two two guys basically jump him. He forced a tag match. Shane ended up beating both of these uh, local talent guys. And we find out later in the show that Miz had set the whole thing up. He had basically he had told the referee that Paige uh, had okayed the match. He uh, told the two wrestlers that they were going to get paid for attacking Shane. And when Shane found out about this, he was he was not happy. And so, so he you, found- had a, you had a backstage bit where the two local local jobbers went to Paige with a signed contract saying that they were to be paid five thousand dollars each. And she promptly tore it up and threw it in their faces. Yeah. Told them all to get out of there. Yep. Um, I, I don't know where they're going with this. I, I can't get a handle on this. I don't know what the end game is because all I can think is serious face Miz turn following the serious heel Daniel Bryan turn, ultimately leading to something at WrestleMania. Well, and this that, is the thing. If what you we want always to, want, want. If you want to continue the Miz and Daniel Bryan feud, what better way than to have Miz turn face? But right. obviously, it's really hard to turn Miz face because he's such a heel. He's you know he's such a, a classically annoying heel, and he just naturally gives it off. It's going to take a lot of rehab, which may, might be why this is such a long, drawn-out process building towards this. And at the end of this segment, when Shane was confronting him and saying, dude, you dick, how dare you do that? And Miz said, look, I just I just want to be best in the world. It's the first time that I've, I've been considered best in the world. Like, no matter what I've done, no one's ever called me best in the world. And now I have that opportunity, but I need you with me to be that because we, we complete each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm only two-thirds mm-hmm. best in the world. You complete me. You complete me. <laughs> and he held out his hand, and Shane walked away, and they, you know, they focused in on the hand, and the audience even kind of went, oh... Yeah, poor so it, it did feel like a, a little bit like they were teasing a bit of a face turn for Miz or they were they were at least portraying him not like a full heel. They were showing nuance in his character, at least. And whether that means ultimately they'll start portraying him more like a face ish type characters, because they do have, tend to have a little bit more nuance on Smackdown Live. Not a lot, but a little bit. Maybe that's where they're going with this. And that could be a really interesting thing if they do go that way and we have like a Miz Shane tag team leading into Miz going full on face one thing I will say about this before we move on Shane god damn it Shane should never be allowed to throw punches again dear god his in-ring punches are 
are just an atrocity. <laughs> That's his whole thing with the quick boxing, quick punch thing, right? <laughs> they're, they're terrible. It's, they're it's, so it's always bad. been terrible. I know, but no, it's just in this match where he was just trying to like run around and rabbit punch guys everywhere. Oh, it was bad. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't talk. I can't throw a worked punch. But as someone who, see, who watches a lot of people throw worked punches, oh, Shane. Oh, Shane, what are you doing? Uh, we also had a tag match. Rusev teamed up with Jeff Hardy to face off against Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe. This is, a, this is an example of what we were talking about with just completely flat, right? This was a, just a completely flat segment all around. And none of these guys are in any, ma- any matches on Sunday. Well, we know that Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy have a thing, and for some reason, commentary had no idea why, but we all know why. They had like, no why, con- why? Yes. Wait, hold on. Let's talk about that. Yeah, wait, wait. Okay. Let's, let's pause on that real quick, because you made a good point. Commentary. Commentary. Openly said, we're not really sure why Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe have beef. What? He, what? He's poking fun at him being a drunk and a junkie. You well, know? I mean, it took them five minutes of talking amongst themselves during this match to figure out, well, I guess it's because of this, this, and this. I guess it's because Samoa Joe doesn't like weakness, and Jeff Hardy or maybe has shown weakness. He thinks he shows weakness. Why do you not know why? That is death, death for a feud. If you cannot quickly and concisely say why these two guys have beef. This is your story. This is, the, this is their, this is supposed to be, their path that they are following, right? You need to be able to clearly define that because you're selling it to the crowd and the crowd needs to understand it very clearly. It's it's easy to see Samoa Joe's a bad man, Jeff Hardy's a nice guy. Great, we see that, but why? And if the commentary doesn't know, then what are you doing? How are we supposed to know? I right. mean, we know, but that's about it. But we can interpret based on the other things that are going on in the show. Commentary is the quickest way to clearly define something. And that's the, one of the reasons why they're there. If they're not there for that, then they should just go be talking about, oh, suplex, reverse reverse Frankensteiner, uh, Luthez press, just call the damn match. You know what I mean? Otherwise, yeah. it's, it's, it's pointless. Speaking of pointless, Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio are going to have a chairs match at TLC. Well, I know you want to move on to that, but we really quickly have to finish up talking about Rusev, Jeff Hardy, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Because Rusev did pin Shinsuke Nakamura totally clean after a super kick countering a Kinshasa. Rusev's looking like an old school baby face. Yes. But, uh, is and th- Shinsuke has been irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're absolutely looking at the beginnings of a new U.S. title reign. For Rusev. I hope so, because they completely squandered Rusev Day, and if they're trying to build him back up from scratch, it could still work, because people still are behind him, and he's carrying himself really well. All, all the pieces are there, but they really have to move quickly and, and put some excitement into both of these feuds, because right now, both of them are just blah, DOA. Yeah. But speaking of which, go ahead, Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio. Yeah, I mean, we had this angle with Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, where he was going to steal his identity, and Take, he's the legend killer, right? And he, we got into a thing where he was pulling on his earlobe because that's and washing his face paint off because that's a that's what's going to do it. And then we move on to Rey Mysterio and he's pulling on his mask and he's un, actually unmasked him on TV. Whether I, that was intentional or not, I don't know if we'll ever know. But it happened and Ray runs away with it. Ray's pissed, comes out, beats him down with a chair, sneaks up behind him during a promo. Oh, okay. Why, yeah, so, why are so, these guys having another another feud 
well, here's years the later. problem: is that this there, there's not really anything fundamentally wrong with how they've done this so far. Randy's trying to you know, basically doing the same thing as you said to Mysterio that he did with Jeff, where he's you know he ripped off Ray's mask, and this week he came out and talked trash about Ray, and then they looked to a video package, <laughs> and then looked back down. And he gave another promo. He's being creepy, Randy. Uh, and as you said, instead of finger banging Jeff's ear, now he's stealing Ray's mask. And Ray came out to get some revenge this week with a chair because they have a chairs match on Sunday. So you know, let me get this straight. We're going to have a chairs match between these two over something that trivial, but we're not going to have the United States title defended. I think th- that I think makes the, all kinds the, of sense to me. Well, well, yeah, well, that's a good point, too. But this the thing is that I think the, the point they're trying to show with this whole angle is that, you know, taking a luchador's mask is not trivial. And with Ray's legacy and with, you know, the history that these guys share, it is actually a big deal. The, the, the depths to which that dirty, dirty Randy Orton has sunk. Mm. But the problem is, is that I think they did this feud backwards. <laughs> the problem is that, nobody cares. Well, the problem, the reason that nobody cares, I think, is because they've it's been built backwards. This was kind of a lackluster segment because we know these guys don't like each other. It wasn't really that exciting to see. But I think if we'd had Randy Orton attacking Ray and ripping off his mask at this point, if it had escalated to that point instead of starting out that way, you've got nowhere to go once you start there, right? How do you escalate from that? Ray gets a chair and beats down Randy Orton. That's not as exciting. You know, throwing a chair into it, if... If if this had begun with the two of them, you know, getting into a scrap, and then Randy Orton attacks Ray Mysterio, Ray Mysterio attacks him back, but then at the end, Randy takes his mask. That is much more of an exciting, like oh shit, moment yeah. going into a pay per view as opposed to doing it backwards, yeah. like the way that they have. That's a and fair right, point. As, as, we've already peaked. You know, adding a chair to this isn't going to make it get any more intense than him ripping the mask off of Ray Mysterio's head. You know, so unfortunately, it's a little flat right now because they I think they've already spent a lot of their heat on, from this feud uh, early. Can they do this again? Well, I mean, Randy Orton is Randy Orton is Randy Orton. This is kind of his thing, what it always has been, short of the evolution stuff. But even then, it was still that. I mean, what else do you do with Randy Orton at this point once he gets past these two guys? What other legends honest, is he going to kill? Is, is, when do these two know. guys stop being significant figures on TV and transition into the nostalgia stuff that you know some of the other guys have been doing. Well, I have my thoughts on where Randy Orton goes after this, but in order to talk about that, we have to give our TLC pickums. But before we do that, we got to talk about the Mixed Match Challenge because the first match on TLC that we're going to talk about is the Mixed Match Challenge final. So I got to tell you guys how we got there. On Mixed Match Challenge this week, we had Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus Bailey and as we said Apollo Cruz subbing in for Finn Balor that ended up not working out well for them and Bailey ate the pin Alicia Fox pinning her 50-50 booking baby 50-50 booking I, I want to repeat what Fox, you just said for the listeners Alicia Fox pinned Bailey yep let that sink in well we we kind of knew that the finals were going to be Jinder and Alicia versus the other couple that ended up making it the team of Miz and Asuka broke down and after oscar stood tall on smackdown she ended up turning on the miz as well finally sick of all of his shenanigans and turned on him in the middle of this match he ends up eating the pin and our truth and carmella are going on to the finals to face jinder mahal and alicia fox as we thought might happen so let's head over to our tlc pickums the final 
of the Mixed Match Challenge, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus Carmella and R-Truth. Who do you have here, sir? It's you know I don't know if it's always been this way, but I think at a certain point, once you stub subbed out the second or third person, and with the the popularity of Truth TV and the, you know the last six weeks or so with that bits, I think they just turned into it, and it's going to be our Truth and Carmella, and they're going to run around and brag more. about it. Yeah, I, I could not I could not agree more. Right, I mean they've already had like what the beginning of that uh, the tag match with with Rusev and Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe and Nakamura. They interrupted the beginning of that match with one of those dance breaks from Our Truth and Carmella, and some people like it, some people hate it, but it is it's fun. It's a little change up, and and it is my, I would say more popular than not. I cannot imagine a world where Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox win this whole thing. It will absolutely be something that would be perfectly in the wheelhouse for Carmella and R-Truth to, to, to hold up and say, we're a mixed match challenge winners, Carmella and R-Truth. It's Truth TV time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Truth and Carmella. Free show. For, for sure. Uh, we also have Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander, something that was set up on 205 Live this week, the Cruiserweight Championship on the line. Who do you have here? This is a this is a pretty big rematch from the uh, the Super Show Down Under. Yeah, uh, and I I don't think Buddy Murphy's ready to drop it yet. Um, I don't know if, if he has much longer before he at least loses it and it goes to a back and forth. I don't think Cedric's going to be the one though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Buddy Murphy retains. Are here. you you betting against your hometown boy? Look, the, Cedric's the one that won me WrestleMania. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but I bet my plus. I think it was my 11 point. Yeah, pick. you went all in, man. All in you on Cedric Alexander, in. and that won me WrestleMania. Pretty other than him and Braun. So I, I <laughs> this him, is uh, this him is and, hard him for and me Nicholas. to say, especially and, being him, from Charlotte. Uh, but yeah, Buddy Murphy's not ready to let go of that belt yet. Cedric Alexander and WWE Tag Champion Nicholas. It's of course he would he he would have the same name as you, wouldn't he? Of course. Good, good God. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it's too early to take the title off of Buddy Murphy. He's got to cement himself as the champion over there. I think the storylines on 205 are pointing towards Cedric needing to change up his character, and I think this will be the motivation to do that. But uh, I mean, stranger things have happened. I don't, I'm not saying it's completely out of the realm of possibility. Cedric Cedric could get it back. But I think Buddy Murphy needs to be established as a strong heel, and that would absolutely do it to have him win it here. So I'm, I agree. Murphy's taking it here. We also have Natalia versus Ruby Riot in a tables match. Wow. Who do you think this one's going to? Well, first given, of all, given I, I think this one this, might be destined for the pre-show as well. Depends on a, what they decide to do with the Cruiserweight Championship match. Yeah, um, I, I fear so too, but the fact that it is one of the, one of the few stipulation matches on this card, it's a, a tables match. They might have it on the main uh, show, maybe like three-quarters of the way through the show yeah. or second or something like that, You know, just because, of, just because it is a stipulation match. Sure, but I think the fact that... Look, Natalia's going to win by putting somebody in a sharpshooter. I, 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 that's it. And I, don't, I think the fact that this is a tables match which I believe the rules, correct me if I'm wrong, is the first person to be put through a table is the winner. That's what we understand, but they, yeah. uh, as you know, plans change. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Baron plans Corman. change. Uh, anyway, I, I think it's... I was a year early on Ruby. I, I kind of own that right now. And there were things in... Mo we, I didn't see Ronda coming. So when I was, you know, all this stuff about uh, when I was calling Ruby earlier, I think Ruby is, and Ember are on, on the precipice of, of being, you know, maybe a big, bigger deal in 2019. As I've said before, once we get past all this, I don't think Natalia is beating here. I think Ruby needs the, the push. Natalia will be just fine. 
See, um, I, I think the opposite. I think Natalia is going to be power bombing Ruby through a table because this feud has been going on for so long, and Natalia has not gotten the upper hand yet. And I think it's going to be a tribute to Needheart that she's going to she's going to win this for her dad kind of thing uh, and triumph over the dastardly heel Ruby Riot by power bombing her ass through a table. That being said, I don't think that what you're saying is out of the realm of possibility because it would really establish Ruby as a legitimate heel if she beat Natalia here, if she did end up winning this feud. And let's face it, Natalia doesn't need the rub. Ruby does. If yep. Natalia loses, it's not going to damage her character or anything. Uh, but Ruby needs legitimacy. So on the one hand, I, I agree. If Ruby does win this, I'll be totally happy. I'll be like, great. Fantastic. She needs it. It's good for her character. It makes her look scarier and like someone who can get the job done. But if she doesn't win, I don't think she's going to win. I think Natalia is going to take this feud just because that's just traditionally how these things go. So, All right. We will see. We will see. Next up, we have The Bar versus The Usos versus The New Day Tag Team Triple Threat for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. Good God. Who do you have in this one? I mean, as if The Usos and New Day weren't enough, we're going to throw The Bar into the middle of this. Look, I one, you're higher on The Bar than I am as a tag team. Um, I, I think this is a three-way you've, you've coin vacillated, flip. You've vacillated back and forth on the bar. Admit it. You go back and forth. Some weeks you're like, I like Fine. the bar. And the next week you're like, I hate the bar. Meh. I really like the Usos. I really like the New Day. I think the <laughs> Usos or the New Day are going to get a plus one title reign here. And it's more of me picking which one. So I'm going to go with the Usos. Okay. I think the Usos are going to come out of this. Um, I, I, I want to make some pontification about the rap battle and how that has any kind of influence. No, I just think that there's, there's more to do here with the Usos. The New Day are going to be fine. They don't need the win. The Bar, I don't know what they do. Do they split those guys up? Do they keep Eesh. wrestling as a tag team? Who knows? I, I think the Usos come out of this uh, as, well, the six-time champions now. I yeah, believe. it would be yeah. It's them and uh, them and New Day are both five times. So, but yes, I agree. This is, this could go anyway. If I had a three sided coin, I'd flip a coin. I I really have a hard time figuring out where they're going with this. This is one I could absolutely I could see on the pre show because that's where these guys always end up on the pre show for some freaking reason. But they always end up putting a baller match on. This is going to be chaos, man. It's another. It's going to be. Another match where you have these two teams, New Day and Usos, who who cannot put on a bad match with each other, and then throwing the bar in there too as as big, you know, strapping dudes are going to go around beating people up. Fantastic! This is this has every reason why it should be an absolutely bananas match if they give it some time. And let's face it, there are 12, 12 matches on this pay per view. There are going to be some short matches. There are going to be some squashes. There's going to be some stuff that doesn't go the time that it needs. So I, I I think this might get the time it needs on the pre-show, not on the main show. But that being said, I, I'm pontificating. Uh, again, I'm just going to pick one out of the air, and I just don't know that given the fact that both the New Day and the Usos are are staring down six-time tag champs, I don't know this is where they pick it up off, off the bar. I don't know if it's going to be meaningful if they do it here because, I mean, unless one of them pins Cesaro, you know, but... I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the bar. Just a bar retains. It's going to be too chaotic. They're going to end up retaining. Maybe Big Show comes back and helps them. I don't know. I'm going oh, for the bar. Uh, that's a stretch. Okay. I'm going for the bar. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stick with the Usos. Uh, next up, we had uh, Bobby Lashley versus Elias in a ladder match. And yeah, this there's is an weird. interesting one here. Uh, if I heard correctly on Monday Night Raw, the, the stipulation for, the, for this one is 
the guitar, Elias's acoustic guitar is going to be hung above the ring, and the first one that gets it gets to use it as a weapon. And I guess the the first one to crack it over the other one's head wins. The, I, I'm so confused as to what determines the victory here. I, I don't think we've established if breaking the guitar wins the match, like breaking over somebody else, or if they can use it as a weapon. But, but frankly, if it's just using it as a weapon, this is another nod to late era WCW because it's essentially a guitar on a pole match. Only instead of a pole, it's hanging over the damn ring. This is this yeah. is a, this is this is Jeff Jarrett written all over it. But no, this is oh god. I I really hope they make something out of this, but I have a feeling this is just going to be garbage. Is going to be one on Jeff Jarrett running in for the assist? Absolutely not. Uh I think <laughs> I think that given the fact that Elias has been beaten down recently and he ended up getting beaten down on Monday Night Raw, he's going to get the guitar and rain havoc on Mr. Lashley. That being said, both these guys need a win so I could see them also having Lashley end up standing tall. Due to insistence from Leo Rush, maybe Heath Slater's the ref. I don't know. But I'm going mm. with Elias. If Heath Slater is going to be the ref in this match, that changes things a little bit. So I, has that been officially declared? Because I had not heard that until you just said that. No, of course not. I'm just covering my bases in case I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, I can definitely <laughs> see where Bobby Lashley could win this through some sort of subversion by Baron Corbin as he is one of his boys or even a Leo Rush getting involved, because I'm assuming ladder matches are is a stipulation match involving no DQ, so who knows where that could go. I, I, st- I still think the fact that there's a guitar hung over the ring points all fingers at Elias. Yep, uh, Elias is going to win this, in my opinion, because of that, if nothing else. And, frankly, he needs it more than Lashley does. So, depending depending on what their plans are for him, agreed. But I, I agree, yeah. Elias is winning this. Uh, Randy Orton versus Rey Mysterio in a chairs match. Who do you have here? I mean, another coin flip. I, I just really. I, don't, I don't I don't care. I guess is the oh Jesus. You know, I, I'll, I'll pick Mysterio. I'll take the flyer. I, I think he's going to figure out how to do it. He'll six one nine him into a chair or something, yeah. and it'll knock him out and give him the advantage. Who knows? I. I I, I could see this going either way too. This I, I think it's a coin flip match as well. I yeah. think the fact though, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for Orton just because because of algorithmically, Ray did stand tall on SmackDown yeah. Live to end the segment. So that typically yeah, means right. that he's not gonna win this match. But uh, so yeah, but again, I could see every reason why he would because it's freaking Ray Mysterio. You know, so they could have him pull it off and, and make the fans happy, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a way to just establish how dastardly Orton is. So I'll go with Orton on this one. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Finn Balor, provided that Finn is healthy. Uh, who do you have in this one? This one requires a little discussion, and we're already running a little long, so I want to make sure we get through it quick. The the X factor here, which has not yet been discussed in any way, because you just said he has been out with the South American. Heebie-jeebies, yeah. Who knows yeah. what it is? It, does the demon come out? Is, that's, is the question. Yeah, that's the if, big question. If, if Drew McIntyre comes down to the ring and the next thing we hear is the bum, 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 yeah. uh, I'm going to have a completely different opinion about how this match is going to go. So let's yep. talk about both scenarios. Let's okay. talk about no demon first. Okay. I think Drew McIntyre absolutely destroys Finn Balor. Agreed. Uh, I think because of the way they've been building him, he is the psychopath. He's running everybody down, and he looks absolutely unstoppable right now. However, 
If the demon comes out, you cannot have the demon lose. It's like the one last thing that is still <laughs> sacred and protected and cannot be undone uh, in WWE. You uh, cannot have the demon lose. And my my concern is that we've already seen a demon squash match at SummerSlam yeah. taking out Baron Corbin in, a, in less than a... Three seconds. Well, so yeah, so here, so as you said, those are the two scenarios. Finn comes out as the demon, or he doesn't. If he doesn't come out as the demon, I agree, he he doesn't win this one. He, he's losing. But he comes out as the demon. I agree. You have to have him win because it's the last damn thing the man has. It's the last little bit of mystique or, or respect you can give the man is is the demon. So I agree. Demon Finn wins. Regular Finn loses. But if by some chance the demon comes out and loses to Drew McIntyre. Good God, I'm going to be so depressed. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's good. That's going to be a big conversation that we'll have to have on Monday in our recap show. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm, I'm going to call. I'll I'm going to the... say no demon, and I'm going to go McIntyre taking this one. Okay. Um, because I, I don't think the demon's going to come out. It might be too soon after SummerSlam to try and do that again. But it's been like six months the more I think about it. So yeah. I'm just, I don't know. It's all going to hinge on whether it's Demon or not. But until the, I know that Demon's coming out, I'm, I'm sticking with McIntyre. Okay, so what I'm going to do then is put you down as McIntyre with a plus, five, plus .5 no Demon. And I am going to take a flyer and say Finn takes this plus five, there's Demon. So plus .5, there's a Demon. So basically, if Finn does win as the man, I still pick up uh, a point, but I lose I lose half a point because there's no demon, basically. But here's okay. the, here's, the, here's the thing. This, so I, I do want to talk about one more quick aspect of this, and that is that um, when when it comes to Finn Balor, if he beats Drew McIntyre as the demon, it doesn't really depower Drew McIntyre that much, and it does build some more for them to work with going forward. You know, you oh, you, you beat me as the demon, but can you beat me as the man? It's kind of like what they did before. A exactly few what they did with Corbin. Sure, but you know, it doesn't doesn't mean that going back to the well is the wrong idea in this particular case. But they, at some point, they're going to have to find out more interesting ways to handle Finn Balor and the demon. But I think that it would give them some grist if Finn does come out and beat Drew McIntyre as the demon, because up until now, except for some underhanded guerrilla tactics on Monday Night Raw, he really hasn't been able to get one up on Drew. So it would give him a little like a nice big edge going forward. Uh, we got to move on, talk about Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. They're having a TLC match. If Baron Corbin, yeah, it's a TLC match. If Baron Corbin wins or or Strowman forfeits. Then uh, Baron Corbin becomes permanent general manager of Monday Night Raw. And if he loses, if if Braun Strowman wins, he gets another shot at Brock Lesnar. So what you got going on here, Nick? Uh, Assuming he shows up, Braun. Assuming he shows up. Look, yes, he has had legitimate surgery, but apparently it wasn't that big of a deal in real life. It was an outpatient arthroscopic bone spur. Remember what I was saying earlier about squash matches? This is going to be a squash match. This is going to be Corbin gloating in the ring, and then all of a sudden, Braun's music hits. He comes out, puts him through a table, puts him through a ladder, throws him off a ladder, throws him through some chairs. One, two, three, done. And that's going to be it. Because I, because I think Corbin just had his TLC match on Raw. This is going to be, yeah. I, I think this is going to be a squash. It might even open the show. I might. I, the thing I'll say about this is I hate that it's one of the two actual TLC matches. Because I... 
Why? Why? Because the other TLC because it's going to be a squash. It's going to be over in less than five minutes. So what? That's that's fine. They don't have to have every match be a TLC match. And and the fact is a TLC match. I want every TLC match to be Edge and Christian in the Hardy Boys, you know, (laughs) or throw the Dudleys in there for a wild card. But that's that's what I want the TLC match to be. It was better. Wrestling. It was better back in my day. Me. All right, moving on. Ronda Rousey. Who you call? There you go. Oh, I'm calling Braun. Come on, man. Oh, okay. Ronda Rousey versus Nia. Jax, yeah, you wanted to move on. Here you go, buddy. Nia Jax, who's winning this uh, one? Yeah, they're not paying Nia Jax a million and a half dollars, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Agreed. Ronda totally taking this. Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental Championship. Who do you have winning this? Seth Rollins. Really? Uh, I don't think he's... No. Not, Dean's thing isn't going well. Now, it would certainly be an injection in the arm if he did beat Seth. Or, but, the, or in the ass. That's kind of why I'm picking uh, I, Dean. I don't think uh, Ambrose is ready to take this yet. I'm looking at Royal Rumble as a potential possibility of that, but I, Seth is so big and high right now on being that face with wearing that gold. I don't think it's coming off. See, that's of why I think they're taking it off of him is they've built him up so much that he can, he can survive losing to Ambrose here. Ambrose needs to be legitimized and he needs to take this belt off of Seth, Seth here in order for this feud to continue. Otherwise, Ambrose looks like even more of a goon than he already does. You've got to have Dean take it here, whether it's through underhanded tactics or whatever it is, Dean's got to win this one. I'm absolutely taking Dean on this. I could, I mean, could I see Seth pulling this off? Yes. It would just be the wrong thing to do. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Who do you think's winning this one? Uh, for the sake of time, Daniel Bryan. I mean, this doesn't need a lot of explanation. Uh, AJ's going to be fine. Keep stay, Enjoy your vacation for a little bit. Uh, you, you've carried us for more than a year, 400-something days. And, you know, just Daniel Bryan's got this, got the con for, for a few months. Dan, Daniel yeah, I, I have to agree exactly. I think I think Daniel Bryan needs to have the the title to legitimize his character. Speaking of legitimization, and I don't think AJ needs it at this point. We know what AJ is, so I think Daniel Bryan again uses some shady tactics, takes it, and maybe AJ starts facing off against Randy Orton over the next couple of months. Mm. So uh, then, also here we go. Our final match: Oscar versus Charlotte versus Becky in a TLC match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Who you got? I'm actually going to let you go first on this one because mine are pretty crazy. Son of a bitch! And, and I want to, I want to, I, I want to reserve the final spot if I can. So, okay, who no do problem. you have in this one, and what do you see going down here? That's fine. Uh, I think Becky retains. I, it's it's a, it's a tough one because I think it could be Charlotte pretty easily. She could she could pick it up, and that would free uh, free up free Becky up to win the Royal Rumble, which I could see happening, and that would give her a shot at Ronda Rousey for. The uh, for the for WrestleMania, um, but I also think that that would really, really, really piss a lot of people off if Charlotte wins this. Um, so yeah, I I cannot see Oscar winning it just because they just had her stand so tall, and if she does lose, she's not like she's eating a pin. It's a ladder match essentially with tables and chairs scattered around the place, so it's not like she's delegitimized by losing. Just someone climbed a ladder before she did, right? So. Could Charlotte win? Yes, but I think that given all of the stuff recently, I don't think they're taking the title off of Becky just yet. They're going to keep her hot unless... here. I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm calling Becky to win, but if Charlotte wins, Becky's winning Royal Rumble. Straight up. If Becky doesn't do win, Becky's winning Royal Rumble. 
Exactly. Yes. So who you have? I, I am. I'm going to take a crazy flyer on this one. Uh, Charlotte is a seven-time champion. She's going to be fine. She's not going anywhere. She's the queen. She's the flair. Woo! I don't think Becky's going to win this, and because mm-hmm. you need her to win the Royal Rumble to get the shot at Ronda, which we I I and many others think is going to be the main event of WrestleMania. Now is Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, and we need right. we need time to build to that. And even even it's, once you win the, even once you win the rumble, it take can take a few weeks to get there before you even proclaim who you want to face, whether it's the Raw or the SmackDown yeah, champ. So they can stretch it. We can run that for three and a half months, whatever it works out ends up being. I think Oscar is going to win this, and I, I think it's going to make it's going to be a people pleaser kind of moment. What I don't know if it'll be a transitional championship uh, that sends Oscar and Charlotte down a path. While Becky goes and wins Royal Rumble and really focuses in, please let Nia get out of the way. Really focuses <laughs> uh, Becky in oh, on God. Ronda Rousey, and we get we fire that back up exactly where it was at, where we left off at uh, Survivor Series. Let's get back to that and let's run that all the way to WrestleMania via her winning Royal Rumble. But I think she can't win here on Sunday if she's going to go win Royal Rumble, Oscar is going to surprise everybody and win this championship on Sunday. See, I well, I think Oscar's a dis- distant third, so I'm going to disagree with you there. I think Charlotte's going to pick this up or Becky. Uh, although if Oscar did win, I'd be totally happy. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun and it'd be cool to see where they go with that. But here's the other thing. There's nothing saying that the SmackDown Live champ can't win the Royal Rumble and then go face the Raw champ. Nothing saying they're that. They're not going to put the, a, I don't think they're going to put the champion into the Royal Rumble though. Why not? Because reasons. Why not? You know? what says, because what says, they're going to have matches can't. on that card later. There's no reason they can't, of course, but it's not right. likely. Well, all right. There we go. Those are our picks. I'm going to add a little thing at the end here. Do you think the triple threat match, Oscar, Charlotte, Becky goes last? Do you think that main events, hard main events the show? No, I think Daniel Ryan and AJ Styles is going to main event the, the pay-per-view. I think you're out of your mind. I absolutely think that triple threat, that the triple threat should go last. It that should. is absolutely their hottest. It's their hottest angle by, by a long shot. And it's a TLC match. The pay-per-view is called TLC. That, that's the only, as we said, two TLC matches. One of them has to go last. It's the name of the damn pay-per-view. So yeah, I, I'm taking a, a plus 0.5 of the triple threat main events. On yeah, TLC I'm going to say no. Okay. Well, Nick made his picks. I made mine, but there's plenty more stuff to talk about. Lots, lots more. So let's get up up on that over on the wide world of wrestling. Well, kicking things off in NXT, Bobby Fish faced off against EC3, which we knew was coming after the events of the last couple of weeks. Uh, But Undisputed Era beforehand promised that they would be dripping in gold in 2019. What is the likelihood of that, Ian? I'd say it's a pretty good chance. If you look at it, all they need right now is for Bobby Fish to win the North American Championship and Adam Cole to win the, uh, the the NXT Championship. And based on you know who gets called up around WrestleMania season, Royal Rumble season, 2019 is a long year, and it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. They could even lose the tag belts and then win everything back this year. That's how much time they have. So could it happen? Absolutely. Should yeah. it? I don't see why not. Depends on who's still around in NXT. 
So here's the question, though. EC3 beat Bobby Fish clean. Was that the right choice, do you think? Like, yeah, like, I, I think EC3... Bobby Fish can survive it. EC3 could not have survived. I mean, that was kind of his, a little mm. bit of a last gasp for, for EC3, in my opinion. I was already kind of going, eh, eh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's fun on the mic, but that's about it. But he needed to look. He needed to look good, and he yeah. did look good here. He actually, and it was actually a pretty fun match, although very quick. Uh, of course, Undisputed Era jumps in at the end to beat down EC3. But then, who should come out for the save? But a couple of shirtless meat boys, your boys, Heavy Machinery, yeah. come out for the save. Asa. They should never. They should never be allowed to go shirtless again. Oh come on, man! That was gross. They look like oh, big dude. hosses just beating dudes down in the backyard, having a good old street fight in some jeans and boots. I, I'm fine with this. I, they I, did. I, I, you know, I, I don't almost, need to I, see I, Otis I would, Dozovich's boobs, but that's, you know, put the man uh, boobs away. I like the uh, singlet, but, you know, I'm, I'm fine with this. This was fine. Uh, I, I really I mean, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm not body shaming, but I am. I'd rather see Killian Dane topless. So, yeah, th- but it, here's uh, the thing. Do you, think that, do you think that heavy machinery are legitimate contenders for the tag team championships, or are they just going to be fed to Undisputed Era as, as, as along with everybody else? Uh, I don't know because I don't know where the Street Profits have been recently. Um, so there have been I, off, no, they're they're the champions over on Evolve. Okay, they're the tag champs on Evolve. Right, I'm talking about within NXT. Like we haven't seen them, so I think that Heavy Machinery is the next kind of sort of face team to come up and challenge them. With with I think it was the Wall Waiters until um, uh, Hanson got waiters. hurt. During the, uh, unquote, uh, the war games, yeah. hurt. Quote, he, got, he got hurt. Yeah, sure quote unquote. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think they are. Are they serious contenders? Yeah. Are they going to take it off of them? I don't think so. Well, that I, means I, they're not serious contenders. But you know who was the serious contenders before was Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan. They had a rematch against the Mighty this week. Man, this was my match of the week, at least on WWE programming. This was fun as hell. This was a balls to the wall, beat the crap out of each other, full throttle, badass tag team match. This was this was amazing. This was what you can allow your tag teams to do if you take the reins off of them and let them go. These guys beat the crap out of each other, and I I I don't know about you. I like Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan because of the style they fight. It's not like anything else in WWE. It's just two guys who come out there and beat you up. I think they, they would just, be they, a great fit in the NXT UK division. I, I just I, yeah. I I, I the, think they've got a home over there because of that different striker style they they fight over there. But I just I I don't know if I can see those guys on the main roster. See, I don't think they'd stand out as much over in the. I mean, they would still stand out, but they wouldn't stand out as much in uh, NXT UK as they do here in NXT because they are so very different and uh, they're very exciting with what they do. There's I actually, also a I'm little bit of here. you know we're close to them because we saw them debut as as singles competitors facing off. They they had great sportsmanship and ended up. One had the others back, and they became a tag sure. team, and it's been a lot of fun. And that's kind of the story, and we've grown up with them, so to speak. So it's it's no there's it it's no wonder why we're so close to them, and, and we love them here in NXT. But we've seen tag teams have stories before. We're we're connected to these guys because they go out and ball out every time they have matches. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. that's that's really what it comes down to. But the question is, would they survive on the main roster? And they're they're both kind of long in the tooth, relatively. Do you I mean what's their ceiling? Yeah, I guess is I don't the think so. Um, I yeah. think somebody like the Mighty might even be better suited for something like. Well, I say that, and then I look at the Raw Tag Division and go. Oh God! Please don't uh, kill can them. Can you too. imagine? 
I mean, the Mighty are somewhat gen- generic as it is, even though they're fantastically talented. They're somewhat generic as it is in NXT. Can you imagine how generic they would feel in the main roster? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Moving on, we got to talk about Mia Yim. She had a match versus Reina Gonzalez. The winner would be added to the Fatal 4-Way number one contendership match coming up in a couple of weeks for the Women's Championship. Uh, this was a... I, I, I like Reina Gonzalez. Um, she's not... She doesn't have a... I, I can't get a sense on her whether she has a... a any more of a move set beyond what she shows, but she works a really good Haas match. It was yeah. a really good Haas style and she's intimidating looking. She has a great presence in the ring. Uh, obviously we've been superlative about Mia Yim before, but uh, yeah, this was, this was I a fun little match. I'll own that. Maybe, maybe not so much uh, from you, but I, I, I'm very high on Mia Yim, um, I, but <laughs> Reina Gonzalez, I think she's been hanging out with Tejano uh, using his gimmick oh! somewhat, but uh, all she needs is a hat. So yeah, what, I, what is it? What is it? If you're if you're from Texas, you have to have a bull rope. Yep, it's and, a Stan Hansen. It's like a Stan Hansen thing. Everyone's got to be Stan Hansen to be and, from uh, Texas. And a bull rope, and, and you're good. Yeah. Uh, no, I, <laughs> of course, Mia Yim was going to go over here on Reina. Of course, um, yeah. it's you know it was also announced previously that um, Lacey Evans, as we called it last week, had gone. Was it Zia Lee that she went over to house show? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, so now we have three. We're waiting to find out who that fourth one is going to be for that fatal four-way for the number one contendership. This is the way who, I like who do, who number do you think one contenderships be? to be built before they ever get to championships. This is why I, don't, I think we should never have triple threats in four ways for championships. You should build it beforehand. Who's the fourth? Yeah, who's your fourth? <sighs> I don't know. I, I really don't. You could throw Kyrie Sane. You could throw Nikki Cross. You could throw maybe even a wild Candice LeRae in there. I, I just I don't. None of them I go, yep, that one about. So I haven't, I, you know, how about you? <laughs> I like the idea of Candice LeRae popping into the match out of a pokeball. A wild Candice LeRae appears. Uh, but yeah, I think Candice LeRae is a strong contender. I choose Nikki- you, Candice. <laughs> yeah, I choose you, Candice. You. I, I think that uh, Nikki Cross could work. <laughs> Nikki Cross could work out. My Nikki Cross could beat your Candace. Oh, God. Uh, Nikki Cross could, if she's still around, she could absolutely be part of this, but I think her time should be done. She should be moving up to the main roster. I, I, I don't think they're going to put the belt on her. Kyrie Sane's out with uh, with hand, foot, and mouth disease she caught from a fan. E. Uh, and besides, she's busy in her in her feud with the uh, the three of the four horsewomen of MMA, so she's busy doing that. Uh, same with Dakota Kai and Io Shirai. So I don't think any of them. I think the strongest contender would be Nikki Cross or Candice LeRae, unless there's someone that we're just completely overlooking and they surprise us with that fourth woman who gets put in there. I mean, throw. A, I mean, they're real high on Vanessa Bourne backstage. Do they act? Do they throw her in there with those girls? I, I just don't see it. Oh please, God no! Please, please no. <laughs> uh, there's a Tanera Conti. I mean, there's some other stretch ones, but the ones no, that we, the not names. Tenera- Keep Tanara Conti and her tongue out of the title picture. Moving on. Speaking of titles, Ricochet defended his North American championship this week against a mystery opponent. He had an open match. And much like we saw on that house show where Harper came out to face him, we had another main roster star show up in NXT. Who else but Prince Pretty himself, the, the Breeze, the Tyler Breeze, came out to a nice homecoming. Tyler Breeze Using his Ricochet. old entrance and his old gimmick and uh, everything's back and uh, oh man, I like it. It was it was it was lovely and it reminded us not only is Tyler really fun. Obviously, it looks great to have him back in NXT. Uh, man, you forget how smooth that guy is. He is a fantastic wrestler. There's a there is a reason why they chose him to go up against. Uh, uh, um, oh God. 
<laughs> it's early, Nick. Why is my why is my brain screwing up? Uh anyway, yeah, no, they they it's 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 fantastic that Tyler Breeze came back and had a had frankly a fantastic match against uh Ricochet here. And I I, I don't know about what you thought, but um I liked how this showcased what both guys could do. Yeah, Monster Mo- Mishinoku Driver. Um, is that going to be a new finisher for for Ricochet? Are we not going to get the the six forties uh, sentons anymore? I apologize, Jushin Thunder Liger. I don't know what's wrong with me. I haven't had my coffee today. <laughs> uh, something something's wrong upstairs. I'm getting old. There's a million excuses. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't know if we're gonna. Get, are we gonna get more Tyler Breeze? He did tweet at Velveteen Dream after this. Nice. So, I mean, it was a nice way to put over Ricochet. He did lose to Ricochet clean on on a high angle Michinoku driver. He he did, would be a shot in the arm for the. I guess you could call it the mid card of of NXT. I think I think the upper stuff is but, way too busy, and it's fine right now. Why would you uh, bring Tyler Breeze down just to have him job out to all the NXT people? Like, wouldn't it be better if, be if you actually him made down, him something? To, to bring him down, he'd have to actually be doing something on I the meant, main roster. I meant down to Florida, but you know what I mean. Oh, sure. Oh, I see. I, I meant it just like being down in Florida, directionally, not down in terms of career path. Oh, down, downgrading. <laughs> right. No, I think it's a, it's a good way of showing that you could have guys from the main roster come down and feel like a big deal in NXT. You know what I mean? Even if they're lower on the on the main roster card, you know, if you brought down like a Zack Ryder or something, it would it would be a big deal. Yeah. So I think it was a, it was a it was nice. It was a way to also show that they think highly of Ricochet as well that they were putting it with him 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 with Tyler. So yeah. uh, Gargano, Johnny Gargano, and Alistair Black, they still have their feud going on. They had some dueling promos this week. Johnny is still delusional. He's talking about how he's in the right. Everyone's going to love him when he's when he beats Alistair and goes on to win the championship. He's gone full on delusional, crazy heelish. Alistair Black is what I want to talk about here because his promo, uh, we used to crap on his promos in NXT. Do you feel like his promos have gotten better? Hundred percent, and it's all to do with his with his vocal tone. Um, when, when when he first came out and debuted, he never said a word. He was the silent killer type. His entrance was ethereal and and threatening and just oh god it was dark and it was awesome and heavy and then he would get in and do all these crazy striker things and the black mass move and then he opened his mouth and started talking about patrick velveteen dream now now we're getting these guttural conversations yeah he's coming after you gargano and the wrestling voice is there he's i think i think think that that absolutely uh, i think you hit the nail on the head he's he's moving more into because let's face it mark calloway does not Always talk like this. No. You know what I mean? He doesn't talk like that in real life. That's something he puts on for The Undertaker. So I think that that's something they need to, needed to have Alistair do was put on an affectation. Because if you, just, if, you, if you have that kind of presentation, and then you just kind of start talking to guys like this, it, just, it totally kills it. So yeah, it was nice to see him actually you know, doing a little bit of performance alteration. And, and that's what... This is four is figuring out their characters and getting stuff right. And I think that he's finally tweaking it and getting those last little last little screws tightened on this character. It's a great little nod to the performance center as well and what they're doing in NXT in general. Because yep. look at the evolution of Alistair Black in the last twelve months. Oh my God. It it just wow. So he came in, he came in. As long as they don't bring him up and put him with Dolph Ziggler. Shut up. <laughs> Shut your whore mouth. Uh, next week, we've got Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir versus Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. We do know that Dakota uh, got injured on a house show recently, so this will probably be one of the last times we see her, and I'm curious where this feud's going to go from there. 
uh, yeah, how tore, they're going to tore a ligament in her knee, right? An a- ACL a- tear. They're still they're still not sure what exactly it is. They believe it's an ACL. Yeah. Uh, so poor girl. Uh, that girl has the rubber legs. I didn't think she could actually tear anything up, especially after her feud with um, Shayna Baszler, and she got bent in all kinds of directions. Right. Well, so, I uh, mean, knees 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 seem to be a thing this year. <laughs> So between her and Tegan, maybe she's been hanging out with Tegan Knox too much. Caught the caught the yeah. knee disease. So that's NXT for the week. Moving on, we got to talk about two hundred five live because no one's watching it. So we might as well tell you about it because we know you didn't watch it because it's seventeenth on the network is the seventeenth most watched show. Ouch! Why? It's a good show. It's a good show. So uh, as now I'm curious. I want to go see what the other sixteen are. It's like most of it's Edging Christian, actually. Edging Christian, like... Uh, oh, replay, by the way, season two, the new stuff is fantastic. It's so good. It's, oh, it's man. so funny. Definitely uh, go watch that. Brilliant. If you're not. Uh, so let's see. On 205 Live this week, as we mentioned, Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander have a match at TLC. Buddy Murphy did have a match against Grand Metalik on 205 Live. It was a great match, but he did beat Grand Metalik clean. I uh, wonder if that's a sign he's going to lose Sunday. Not sure. Uh, Cedric Alexander also beat Tony Nice in order to gain that title shot on Sunday, and he did stand tall at the end of the show. So from in terms of the algorithm, does Cedric Alexander win, or does because he stood tall, does that mean he doesn't win? I guess we'll find out on Sunday. We teased the Kendrick Tozawa and Gallagher Gulak street fight for next week. They all had a big promo talking about yes. how they were going to win that. It's a street fight. between those All those guys in a street fight, you have my attention. Uh, sign me up. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to talk about that next week. And then finally, Arya Davari had a little promo backstage where he said he's going to kick everybody's butt. He's back to get some, uh, some serious stank on people. And uh, his... <laughs> His mentor, Hideo Itami, stopped by to say, good job. I, th- I like what you're doing. I'm and wondering the bat wing. Uh, stop it with uh, the bat. Uh, uh, oh, God, he's going to fly away. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going with Arya Davari. He's a, he's a talented guy, and they could actually do something with him, especially with his association with Hideo Itami. I don't know if it ends up being a tag team or if it ends up being a mentor-student situation. But either way, it could just I think it only can do good things for both guys. So yeah. I, I, I like what they're doing there. Oh, okay. That's it for the WWE programming, but we're not done, guys. Don't go anywhere just yet because we got the card announced for Wrestle Kingdom 13 over in New Japan, and oh, boy. Oh, my soul. Oh, boy. Oh, my oh. soul. If you are not watching New Japan, first of all, why? You're missing out. But now is a good time to start. It is going to be an absolute banger of a show. The top to bottom. These these matches look absolutely insane. First, before we talk about Wrestle Kingdom, though, we got to talk about the end of the the tag league, the World Tag League. It wrapped yeah. up, uh, and Evil and Sonata for the second week, uh, second year in a row, Evil and Sonata won the whole thing, beat the Gorillas of Destiny in the finals, beat the champs in the finals. I never would have called that at the beginning of tag league. I, I never would have thought they would have done that two years in a row. But. I was I was a little surprised too. We thought we th- we thought they were going to surprise us with someone else sneaking it out, but uh, Evil and Sonata did win, but. In a twist, as they were accepting their their trophies at the end, as everything was happening, the Young Bucks came out and said, we never got our rematch against Gorillas of Destiny. We want to have our rematch. And uh, Evil is not accepted. They said, sure, let's make it a triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom. So, oh. so good Lord, that's going to be a crazy match. Gorillas of Destiny versus the Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata for the IWGP Tag Team titles. So before we run down the card real quick, I just want to say for those that you mentioned people that don't watch New Japan, now's a good time to start. For those that aren't familiar with it, Wrestle Kingdom is essentially the WrestleMania 
uh, every year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I, I now is the great. This is the, the where it yeah. starts. Start here, and you can watch the whole year and get into it. I did it last year for the first time, and so and, got, and got look at you the, now. Look at you now. You're right. all psyched. And now up I'm, I'm keeping up with it as much as I can. Yeah, so. that's, and, it's, and it's really, 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 really good it's stuff. great stuff, guys. Uh, speaking of which, top of the card, we've got Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, basically the best wrestler in the world, one of the best wrestlers in the world, versus the John Cena of New Japan. Uh, for the, oh, come for the, on. I, I mean, I can't really think of a better act. I mean, maybe John Cena is the Hiroshi Tanahashi of the WWE. We should put it that way. That's the level. I mean, Tanahashi is a freaking legend. He's he's wrestling god at this point. I, I understand that, but I just <laughs> I, Kenny Omega is not really a spot monkey though. He can actually kind of go. No, I'm talking about Tanahashi <laughs> is is John Cena. Oh, okay. yeah, no, no, okay. Kenny Omega is not John Cena. Dear God, no. That's what I thought you were saying. No, I was like, Wait, what? no. <laughs> Catch up. Stay with me. Kenny, okay. Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. That's going to be a great match. Chris Jericho versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. We're seeing this match again, but it'll be interesting to see yeah. if now that Tetsuya Naito has more respect for the IC belt. Remember the last time he carried it, he was tossing it all over the place and trying to buy sushi with it and stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will see if, uh, if things have changed now. Jericho's held the belt well, most of the year. Yeah. And, uh, Which Jericho shows up? Is it the Jericho that came and beat the hell out of Kenny Omega last year? Yeah, it's going to be, it's gonna be psycho, psycho Alpha Jericho. Is going yeah. to I mean, with, 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 with the face paint. I, I don't know how this match is going to go, but we'll see. It's just going to be a slobber knocker, and both these guys work really well together. Hopefully, this time, Red Shoes can keep up. So we'll yeah. see. Kazuchika Okada, also arguably the greatest wrestler in the world, versus Jay White for control of the Chaos faction. Uh, Jay White betrayed them earlier this year and took Kazuchika Okada's mentor Gato with him. Gato betrayed uh, Okada. So, and apparently Jay's got a mole in chaos. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. This could be the the surprise match of the show, though. This is um, I, Jay White was my sneaky pick to sneak up and win the G1 this year. Before I saw everybody, every everybody was all in on Tanahashi. Yeah. But I, I think Jay White um, has had a huge year huge. in multiple aspects. And I agree. I think this could be sneak up and be the sleeper match uh, of the entire card. Well, they're obviously very. This, this yeah. one's going to be really good. They're very high on Jay White. I think he's kind of their. He's going to be their their next big de facto gaijin wrestler in New Japan. He's a dojo guy. After like Kenny. Uh, well, Kenny was never a dojo guy. Like he's been very loyal to oh. New Japan, but he's he might be going off and doing AEW. He's got other things that he's more interested in at this point. So it could be that Jay White's the guy that they really want to push as far as Gaijins go over in New Japan because he's he's a homegrown boy. So he, and he's been fantastic as you said. He's been incredible this year. Really upped his yep. game in a major way. Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. They are going to be all over the damn place. That that match is going to be sick. Uh, Good luck keeping up with whoever the ref your is. Your eyes will bleed. <laughs> Cody versus Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States title. That could be really fun. I love me some Juice Robinson. Uh, let's see. We've got Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the British heavyweight title, the Rev Pro British heavyweight belt. Ishii has been fighting with Minoru Suzuki most of the year over this thing, so it's interesting that Suzuki's uh, his his student, or if you will, or his his little buddy, Zack Sabre Jr., his tag team partner, Zack Sabre Jr., is going after it now. I'm wondering if Suzuki gets involved in this somehow because he and Yeah, Ishii I think Jr. there's a reason Suzuki's not on the card to allow him to get involved. Not that that would stop Minoru Suzuki from getting involved no. wherever Minoru Suzuki wants to get involved, but I, I think we see a, a, a surprise interference or something here uh, with Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, or maybe, or maybe you know, I could see it also turning into a triple threat because he did have some friction with Zack Sabre 
Jr. Uh, in the tag belt, uh, the tag tournament. So uh, that would I would love yeah. to see that. By the way, is a triple threat here. That'd be really cool. Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Some, that's the somebody might die match. It, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hit, hit everyone <laughs> to death. Uh, speaking of triple threats, Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado versus Rapongi 3K versus Bushi and Shingo Takagi for the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles. That's also going to be a fantastic match. But the match that I'm looking forward to most in the show, I don't know about you, for the never open weight belt, Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. Oh my God. That's yeah, I think Okada and Jay White could sneak up and be the sleeper, but I, this is definitely the one I'm looking forward to the yeah. most. Ibushi and Ospreay. Uh, this match is going to be fantastic. This, this is this uh, is. It, I mean, if Osprey shows up 100, percent you know, even if he's at 90, percent he's going to be fine. But I uh, still get my bag of stars. I, I know he's been struggling. Get my bag recently. of stars. I'm throwing them all over this match. Nothing but <laughs> nothing but gold stars. Cannot wait. Uh, another quick New Japan news. They are going to be having two shows at the beginning of the year. New beginning. Uh, but apparently. And it's very nice of them. They did hear that you and I now live in different cities, Nick. So on the January the 30th, they're going to be having a show at the Globe Theater here in Los Angeles, which is crazy. That's where they have PWG now. And it's PWG. It's tiny. It's t- maybe 200 people at most can fit in there. So that's going to be a crazy small show. And then f- it's better than the Reseda American Legion. Oh, God. Can you imagine? With no a- Can you imagine New Japan coming to Reseda? With no AC? Oh, that'd be hilarious. Right. Oh, Jesus. But then February 1st, two days later, they're going to Charlotte, North Carolina, out where you are. Yeah. And they're going to have a show out there. So we'll both get to see a New Japan show in, in uh, January. That's pretty in cool. the same weekend, apparently. That's kind of cool. So yep. that's it for New Japan. A couple more Ooh. things to get to really quickly. Uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle is going to have a show uh, tonight. Uh, we're recording tonight on Friday. Jay Lethal defending the championship against Cody Rhodes. SoCal Uncensored defending the tag belts against the Young Bucks and the Briscoes in a ladder war match. Our boy television champion Jeff Cobb is defending his title against Hangman Page. And the Women of Honor World Championship uh, will be defended by Sumie Sakai against Madison Rain, Karen Q, and Kelly Klein in a four-corner survival match. And finally, uh, there's some other stuff too, but Marty Skrull versus Christopher Daniels. Skrull wins. He gets a shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship, which I think he is. I think it's his it's time. It's his time. He needs to win that. Also, Matt Taven versus Dalton Castle should be a good match. Jonathan Gresham versus Zack Sabre Jr. Bully Ray versus Flip Gordon, an I quit match. Oh, hell yes. I can't wait for that. Yes. And finally, Kenny King versus Eli Isom. So check that out uh, tonight, Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Nice. Well, hey, let's do some listener questions real quick before we get out of here. We had three today. Thank you guys for submitting those. If you want to get in and submit your questions to the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our fantastic tiers, the $5 tier or greater. You can submit your show uh, questions to the show. We'll answer them here live every single week. Uh, first up, Dominic Jacques. Do you think the women's triple threat match should headline TLC on Sunday? I'm pretty sure you made that clear. Yeah, I did. I, I think it absolutely should. I think it should, and I re- and I bet that it would. So, yes, it, I think it absolutely should. It's the hottest angle by far, and it's the most interesting thing they have going, and it's a TLC match. So, yes, it absolutely should. I agree it should. I don't think it will a bitch unfortunately uh will james asked do you think the speech by seth rollins represents the wwe finally listening to some criticism due to the bad ratings or do they always hear us and figure they would placate us for one episode uh, I, I think as we said i think that they they it, they were doing some lip service and they were placating us i don't know if it's going to be for one episode or if they're going to keep trying to do better uh i don't think that they listen per se i think they hear that something's going on but that but they don't necessarily listen look at i mean two words roman reigns right if vince wants something he's going to do it 
and that's the bottom line. So it's <laughs> so that's really what it is. Is that ultimately, as we said, though, it's to their own detriment if they don't listen. Because at some point, they're going to start losing ratings, as they have, and that's going to be a game that they can't win, ultimately. So they're, at some point, they're going to have to really listen and not just kind of be like, yeah, 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 we know. And I'll, I'll parrot what I said earlier, but not too much. I mean, there's a little bit of, quote, people's champ going on around Seth Rollins right now, uh, especially after this week, as him being the representation of the WWE Universe. But I don't, I don't know if it's going to last. I mean, it's distracting from what's going on with Seth and Dean a little bit. And if they're going to start going down that road, it, it makes me think that not good things about the Seth and Dean feud, which is a shame. So we can't have it all. And if we had to pick one, which one are we going to yep. do? I don't yeah. know. But I, I do think that's what they were trying to do. Not so much placate us, but just represent the universe. You got to do it with more than just Seth Rollins, though. It's got to be across the entire oh, show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, lastly, Bebosh. How you doing, man? Why do they hate Nakamura's title reign so much? <laughs> <laughs> They've... Uh, There's so, so many meaningless non-title feuds in the TLC pay-per-view, but they can't make room for the U.S. title. My yep. man, you nailed it. That's that's yep. totally my point. Like, why do we need a Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio chairs match when we can't have the U.S. title? How be do you make Nakamura? All titles should be defended on the. Pay-per-views. Well, they can't do that now that Period. now that you have the both brands on one pay-per-view. That's it's impossible to do. You've got eight titles across both brands. There's no way you have nothing else to do on the show besides title matches. Which fine, but they you need to have some other room. And eight matches already is too many. Twelve is insane. So. But yes, I, I think that they need to be. They need to give more love to the titles. They don't all have to be defended on every show, but show more love for the titles. How do you make Nakamura uninteresting? How I don't know. They've they found it. a way. So it's it's madness to me. But I agree. I mean, if you don't have it on the show, at least make it a meaningful title. And they've once again buried the U.S. title. I don't know how they did it, but they did it, and it makes me it makes me insane. I, I think they messed up by changing his entrance with the whole thing where it's plugging in the guitar with it. the feedback and the violin thing it. and the the video. What I, were they I just should have left it just, alone. Uh, just calling him the artist. No, no, stop it. Oh, it's terrible. I, I could I could yep. go off on this for a long time, but we're out of show, so I'm not going to do it now. Instead, we're going to... Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Again, everyone, patreon.com forward slash BWO, five bucks a month. It really does help us here at the show, keep the show running. The more people, the better The better stuff we can do, uh, and we really do appreciate it. Plus, we get to interact with you guys if you guys can ask us questions, so it's we have a lot of yes. fun with that. Wait, before we get out of here, though, Ian, we got to do some quick other news in the lightning we, round. Beep, we beep, do beep, lightning beep, round. Beep, Just beep, enough time to talk about the fact that they're making a documentary about Becky Lynch. They're following her around with cameras. They have been ever since things started happening with her this summer, so it's going to be curious to see what they end up putting together with that. They were following her around during her injury, during everything, so that should be there. Yeah, they did a little expose segment episode thing. It was on YouTube or the network about her getting kicked out of Survivor Series. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot more coming soon about Becky. Lots of Becky coming soon. Uh, Wrestling Observer News reports that Fox wants 3.3 million viewers from SmackDown Live. As I said before, currently they have less than 2 million. So what they, well, they're going to have to do some serious uh, stuff for that show. I don't show. know, though. You put that on a major network on a Friday night primetime, it it's not impossible. Well, if they keep booking it the way that they have now, well, SmackDown's fine, but if, they, if they're a show, I mean, they've got, they're, they're going to have to seriously... And they don't. Have, they only have one shot at it. You know what I mean? Fox throws yep. them to FS1. They're 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 done. Uh, PWG's coming up. The Hand of Doom show, January eighteenth, down at the Globe Theater. Jeff Cobb defends his championship against Trevor Lee. The Rascals versus the Best Friends. Yes, Chucky e. T uh, for the PWG Tag Team Titles. Flip Gordon versus Bandito in a Don't Close Your Eyes match. <laughs> 
LAX versus <laughs> yeah. LAX versus Flamita and Ray Horace in a in a place that's going to burn down match. That's going to be amazing. Jonathan Gresham versus Robbie Eagles, Puma King versus DJZ, and Brody King, our boy Brody King versus Jungle Boy Luke Perry from 90210. is his kid. Uh, that's going to be an interesting match to see what happens there. I'm going to try and go to that show. Should be a good time. Uh, not a good time though at a House of Hardcore show. Big Cass fell down before the match and had a seizure. Apparently. Not good, but he was mm. taken to the uh, to the hospital and apparently he's fine now, but a bit of a scary moment. Um, so best wishes to Big Cass. Feel better, big guy. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, Rhino is not retiring. He did come out on social media and say that that was just a storyline thing. Uh, so he's not retiring. We'll see what happens next for the man beast. That's good to know because I was worried that he was done and was going out ignominiously. But apparently that's not the case. MLW had their fusion show. It was pretty good. Simon Gotch is a heel over there. He had kind of a million-dollar man gimmick where he put up a $10,000 for anyone who would face him in a match. He ended up beating up a guy named Ariel Dominguez, who's only 125 pounds, ended up walking away with his money anyway because that's the kind of crap <laughs> heel that Simon Gotch is. It's good stuff, though. Uh, also, yeah. Brian Pillman Jr. had a match. He lost to Tommy Dreamer, but he ended up beating him down afterwards. Looked pretty good. I think it's a bright future for the kid of Flying Brian. Uh, and then also Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., our boys, the Lucha Brothers, defeated uh, La Park and Hijo de La Park to retain the tag belts. My God, dude, La Park never freaking aged. That guy can still go. Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah, if, if you could still go in the ring with Pentagon and Phoenix, uh, props. You're doing something right. I don't know if I could last five minutes with those dude, two. Dude, I get blown out even thinking about it. It's, it's <laughs> But no, fan, fantastic match. You can actually check that out online. I'll try and put that up in the uh, Facebook discussion group so you guys can check out that match. Really crazy, good Lucha stuff. And finally, Tokyo Sports gave out its annual awards for the major Puroreso promotions. Non-surprisingly, MVP went to Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, second place went to Okada and Omega got third place. But Okada and Omega's match at Dominion this year won the best bout. They did also win last year for their first encounter at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I think it's the first, well time, first time that anybody, well anybody has had uh, two, two years in a row. The, the two guys have won best bout. So big deal. Uh, and uh, a couple other things. Naito won the Technique Award. And then a bunch of guys from All Japan and NOAA uh, also won awards as well. But one quick note, Naomichi Marufuji, he was given a 20th anniversary award for his match with uh, Kento, with Hideo, Hideo Itami earlier this year. That's a nice thing for him. So very nice. cool stuff. Well, guys, that is our show. We are getting out of here. We hope you enjoy TLC on Sunday. But a point of note, we will be trying something new called Facebook Group Chats, which is essentially a, a group me Facebook Messenger chat, but it's kept within the confines of the group. Something new they're launching. We had a poll in the Facebook discussion group, and we're all going to be hanging out. I'll be starting one up. We're going to give it a try for a pay-per-view before we try and do it for anything else. So be ready. Be online. We will have that live ready for the pre-show on Sunday. Uh, come join us in the Facebook discussion group. Just search for Busted Wide Open. You'll find us over there. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO podcast subscribe to us on youtube at youtube.com slash c slash busted wide open be sure to hit that notification bell so that you get alerted anytime we add new content and if you love this show and what we do head over to patreon.com slash bwo show us some love throw some throw some bucks in the tip jar sign up for one of our awesome tiers where you get some rewards get to interact with us in various ways get some swag all kinds of good stuff but I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Will somebody stop the damn match!
This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.